Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Doing good, Shad. Uh, doing good. I had the weirdest experience of my life today, but that's fine. <laughs> you want to elaborate? So um, I'm getting tested for carpal tunnel, and they do this thing It's called where they um, they pretty much put diodes on your arm, and then they essentially stab you with something that looks like a stun gun, and it makes your nerves like react. So they're sitting here sticking this thing in your arm and your hand is like twitching. And like if they hit like a big nerve, your whole arm will like jump on you. It's really it's really bizarre is an experience. So you got basically you got the, the Mountie shock stick just jammed yeah. right into, and your, then, <laughs> into your elbow. And then when they're done with that, they um they like stick needles in you and like do the same thing. Mm. And it's really weird. Sometimes nothing moves, but you can feel like. You can feel like things in your hand like reacting. It's really it's it's a bizarre experience. Well, we hope it turns out well for you, Brad. Um, we're gonna go ahead and get our shoutouts taken care of real quick, right here at the beginning, so they're out of the way. The first one is gonna go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That is the number four capital C and Corners capital P M Podcast to save ten percent off your order. They have the Daphne, the Scream Queen uh, memorial shirt up there. Interestingly, the proceeds are not going to Daphne's family. They are going to concussion research. Hmm. So, um, And I believe that uh, Daphne had expressed some wish towards that uh, on her own. So that's why it's going there. Um, they always do such a good job with their memorial shirts, really. And I uh, really do appreciate it. I bust out my Bobby Eaton one yesterday. It's just so so comfortable so soft i'm waiting for my Danhausen shirt from pro wrestling tees i think it might have disappeared <laughs> in the mail i'm thinking real hard about ordering it ordering an eddie kingston shirt from them yeah Did he's you, been um he's been fantastic mm-hmm. if uh, you watch you, um elevation he's he's a lot of fun on that uh since you mentioned Danhausen, i don't know if you saw this but uh, some upcoming show it's going to be a Dan House. He's not called this, but it's uh, it's going to be Dan House and teaming up with Fandango. <laughs> and the tag team name is Fan Dan House. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I messaged our, our mutual friend, Justin. And I was yeah. like, I never knew I needed this tag team in my life, but here I am. <laughs> they should call it, he should just be Fanhausen instead of Fandango. Yeah. Uh, it might be. Um, that's our first shout out. The other shout out, uh, we throw the ball to Matt. Uh, that would be to Orlando Cologne. You know, guys, Orlando Cologne uh, never has lost a match via uh, <laughs> a rope breaking. Oh, God. <laughs> Unlike uh, the Demon Finn Balor. That was perhaps the dumbest thing I've ever seen. 
I don't. Uh, I can't profess to even understand it. Well, and I, then it, the Charlotte Alexa Bliss thing was also stupid. Yeah. I, okay, so just just for some quick background for everybody tonight, we are going to be going for. Um, we're going to be going over the AEW Grand Slam week, honestly, because it's too big of a deal not to. But, and, and we're not going to spend much time on WWE stuff, but they just had Extreme Rules, which the whole event named Extreme Rules had one Extreme Rules match. Um, Alexa's whole took the Fiend's gimmick, and it, so basically the entire run of the Fiend ends with Charlotte Flair picking up what's supposed to be a supernatural doll and just ripping it up. You know what was and, interesting about WWE past all this is um our friend Dan, who I would call a casual watcher these days. Yeah. Did you see him go absolutely off on Facebook about Raw last night? Uh, uh I did see a little bit of that. I didn't read the I didn't read the entire thread, but I did see like he basically made it only like a few minutes in. He's like, you know what? I'm turning this shit off because it was they, something. They did something stupid. Well, they did they did this um. They did like a, a fuck finish on oh, yeah. Biggie and Lashley. And mm-hmm. then like Adam Pierce comes out and says, we're going to make this right. And then we're going to have a cage match at the end of the show. And it absolutely pissed him off instead of just like, because they didn't restart it. And he was just pissed off about it. Yeah. They, their booking is, is obviously we've talked about how terrible it is, but that that's something that they do. Like they've done that so, so much in the last like six months. Where it, obviously there was like a fuck finish here, but it it, it, it usually is like a fuck finish where it's like yeah. Randy Orton, you're gonna face Bobby Lashley tonight, and it's like they have the match, and the match will be it, it's not like a two minute match, it'll go for like 20 fucking minutes, mm-hmm. and then like MVP or somebody will get involved, and so it's like a DQ, and then Adam Pierce or somebody will be like, you know what, there's a DQ, we're not gonna let that stand tonight, it's gonna be a tag match in the main event, and it's like I, and then they give him 20 more minutes, it's like I didn't sign up necessarily for 40 minutes of, of these two fighting each other yeah. or some combination of them with maybe one or two other guys added. Like, I don't need that. You, you, you know, know, for a company that has a giant roster, I sure don't have would, much evidence of it. You, you would know it. Yeah. Cause on any given, any given raw, there's like 10 guys and that's, that's you, it. You know what my yeah. breaking point with ever tuning into raw live again was, I think it was 2019 when they like heavily advertised that Raw was going to be Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins, and they had like mm-hmm. never wrestled each other. So I was intrigued because I'm like, well, I've never seen this before. And then they had like Brock Lesnar attack Rey Mysterio Jr. like right off to start the show, and you're like, oh, you guys had no intention of ever giving me this match, and I never tuned into Raw live after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then um, Roman Reigns versus. The demon, not Finn Balor, but the demon, you know, the thing that has never lost on the main roster. And they get to the end and and the demon will like wipes out the Usos and then Roman spears him through the barricade and gets back in the ring because he's like because, you know, WWE's that that's how he sells. And then they start playing the demon music that has the heartbeat at the beginning, which, to be honest with you. Like, the concept is actually kind of cool. The idea of the music kicks in and the demons revitalized, except, number one, it wasn't helped by the fact that Finn is, like, doing the dead fish flop with every heartbeat. You know, there's the exercise they have you do in physical therapy where you lift your your, your head and your shoulders up while you lay face down 
except he's doing that and like kicking his feet up with each one. So it looks kind of goofy. The, then the music hits and the lights go red and he's up and just going to town on on the Usos and like flips out on Roman and that sort and throws him back in the ring, climbs on the top rope. And in what Dave Meltzer says is certainly a creative decision. The rope breaks, the demon falls down. Uh, he grabs his leg cause his leg has been hurt and then gets speared and loses. And it's like, you know, you were on the cusp of something that was kind of cool there. And, um, well, you just you just flushed down another gimmick that drew people's attention to in the tread dumbest water. way possible. Yep, in the dumbest way possible, and you did it strictly to tread water. They can't even they couldn't even get Undertaker right now. <laughs> so, in light of this, we're going to talk about AEW Grand Slam week instead because <laughs> we're happier. <laughs> the biggest. We're, we're actually going to comment on good wrestling. The biggest, yeah. the biggest non WWE show in North America in probably twenty twenty years. Twenty three years maybe. Yeah, because the you'd have to go to late nineties. And then I think probably WCW to have uh, like oh, it was the Georgia probably. Dome, Georgia Dome with Goldberg Hogan, wasn't it? Probably. Mm-hmm. So this so. show did 20,000 people, 177. Which, yeah. which would get eyeballs, I think, from even the WWE because mm-hmm. they've never run this building before. And th- this building looked fantastic. And it's in New York. I don't I don't know the the entire capacity for Arthur Ashe. Um, obviously, with the setup they did, they they worked out the setup and they kept, they actually kept adding seats. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they were able to like run in a bigger building, they probably actually I would. It wouldn't have surprised me if they if they could have maybe pushed this to even like twenty five thousand. But uh, I was just thinking like I don't know how many wrestling seats Madison Square Garden holds but like i know no it might okay. be might be 20 i don't remember i don't know because new japan when new japan did their g1 show in 2019 um which i'm i'm only calling it new japan because yes it was like co-branded with ring of honor but people weren't there for ring of honor but <laughs> no. <laughs> no offense well no they, they uh, were they weren't there for new japan either they were there for the elite and the elite who ironically yeah, yeah ironically there. like weren't even there but they they did sell that out and i think it that was just a little that was under a little under seventeen thousand. yeah so but that, this, but let's be honest here though that mm-hmm. that 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 sellout was on the elite and then they formed AEW before yeah the show, so mm-hmm. so um, the yeah. wikipedia says that the capacity of arthur ash <laughs> is 23771 but you've got a discount like spaces behind where the entrance way yeah. stuff would go up because you're not going to sell seats back there yeah they they clearly the the aew setup with the the entrance way and the ramp and all that stuff probably did eat some seats and um, you lose seats to the ring too yes yeah yeah, yeah. so um but brad had pointed out that um of all people jim Cornette made the observation about the geographic location of the show yeah so jim crockett promotions and wc WCW could never penetrate New York, even at their hottest. They could never get this deep into New York and actually draw. So 
they pretty much came into the WWE's backyard and drew 20,000 people when WWE struggled to do well in Madison Square Garden this year. That's, like, big. That that throws me in just how kind of, without realizing how big of a deal that is. Because now it's, I look at them like, holy crap, but at the time I didn't even think about it. It's just that, you know, they drew... 20,000 people in the stadium. Um, well, I mean, Jim Cornette said this was like the best wrestling show he's seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're going to get into him a little bit more, but his responses on this were uh, it, it, it was it was fascinating to hear. So uh, Dynamite uh, started out. Here, now, here's the, I have to say this is the refreshing part about Dynamite is they didn't make us wait. Yes. they. Well, it's kind of like – it's what they did whenever uh, they brought Punk back is they're like, we're just going to do this right here at the beginning because they've realized that we have hyped this up so much. This There is so much buzz around this. We are going to open with it because if we don't, that's all anybody's going to be waiting. Uh, that's all anybody's going to be looking for, and they're going to be distracted waiting for it. So, you know, it's – yeah, they right out of the gate. First show on Dynamite was Kenny Omega with Don Callis versus Brian Danielson, non-title. And I've never, uh, I haven't seen a crowd like this since uh, Hogan and Rocket WrestleMania 18. It was fascinating. I I didn't watch this live because um, again my life is incredibly <laughs> busy, so I watch everything uh, basically on on like delay. But I I, I turned this. I actually recorded this on dvr i usually watch uh on demand but i was like i have to watch this from the show record off dvr because i wanted that picture in picture yeah yeah which uh, on demand usually cuts out but i wanted that picture in picture so i got it because i'm like i can't miss a single moment of kenny omega versus brian danielson but when this started that i everyone everyone in the building i think was chanting they were and just losing their minds. It, it was it was so loud. They kudos to the guys who were who were miking things because they caught mm-hmm. that uh, they caught the crowd perfectly and the energy you could feel was immense. And that, that's just me watching it uh, from my couch. And mm-hmm. I can't imagine what it must have been like live. But clearly they were feeling it. Omega did a great job here, right? I'm, I'm we're, I know we want to going to break down the match i just from the very beginning like the, the omega was totally playing like the the asshole heel where it's like i'm not letting this bother me he's like kind of tried to be stone-faced yeah and brian just had the biggest shit eating grin on his face you could tell that dude was loving every second of it oh yeah and it just made me think and i tried to explain this to my wife it's like that guy, because she um, <laughs> she refers to him as Yes Man because of his Yes Man. It's like she doesn't know the names of like half these guys. <laughs> She's just like Yes Man. What? I'm like, yo, Yes Man like signed to AEW, and I was trying to explain to her like this, this dude literally like five months ago, four months ago, like he was in the main event of WrestleMania, like the biggest show that WWE has to offer. In theory, the biggest match that they do of the year. And he was in that main event, and here he is like five months later, and he's in, in AEW. And 
he must have thought like when the, he heard that he heard that reaction he must have been like this that's exactly why i signed with this company even though he's again like the last couple of weeks he even penned like a letter being like i have no issues with wwe i love them i loved working with them no no hard feelings no bad blood but i wanted to do other things and yeah. i you that guy was just loving it you could tell you could tell he had a bigger smile here if you go to the the mania main event even at his comments were like you know i didn't want to be in this match but here he is so happy to just be standing in the ring for it like i cannot mm-hmm, go ahead i cannot imagine like you know the the biggest experience i've had um in the ring you know i it was not a big building but i did have an entire building chanting my name once and that you know i had i had goosebumps from it i cannot imagine what he's feeling in that moment like the it, that's dude, the dude after mania made comments were basically it's like i did that match and i felt nothing yeah I felt nothing afterwards and it's like he said that and then fast forward to this where you have like 20 almost twenty one thousand people basically chanting his name going yeah. crazy because they could not wait to see this match this is the and, match that they had wanted for like years it's a dream match so at my house um I think it caught my wife like this her kind of peripheral vision and mm-hmm. i think she slowly inched towards the tv and she came in like a little into it and i don't think she intended to watch the whole match but that sucked her in like hook line and sinker um once she like saw enough of it uh, i mean it makes sense if it let's say let's say my wife were to be watching uh i don't know like a basketball game like a spurs game or something, Cubs game, something. And I'm doing something like washing the dishes. I'm not really paying attention. And all of a sudden, I look up at the TV, and the entire stadium is like on their feet going crazy. I would instantly be like, whoa, what's happening? What's happening? I, my yeah. attention would immediately be drawn, and I would be picking up that energy. Like, oh, my God, something happened. What happened? I'd be excited. I'd be excited just watching. It has to be a big deal to get that kind of reaction. Exactly. Yeah. And what, um, what I thought they did that was smart to start off is they take oh, it real slow and real simple and let the crowd kind of get it all out of their system so that they'll settle down a bit and, like, pay attention. So I I watched this, and then later I got my wife to watch it with me because I wanted to get her perspective because I thought maybe – let's be honest. Maybe I'm too close to this, and I want to get another perspective before we record tonight. So that I can I can have an idea of like, you know, am am I being too biased in this and that sort of thing? And um, the first takeaway from it was she through the whole match, she referred to Don Callis as bargain bin pitbull because of how he dresses. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and but she is even, you know, she's just impressed by the response to she thought it was really, really good. She's always been a Danielson fan, even if she didn't know him prior WWE. Like she's always liked the guy, and this is really her first time seeing Omega. But she was like, "This is this was really good," and I was like, "Yeah, it is." Well, and so there's some there's a lot of little subtleties to this match. So for for starters, usually when Kenny Omega wrestles, Don Callis gets on commentary. He did not do that in this match. He did not. Which already tells you it's important, and the announcers smartly pointed that out. Yep. But um, 
Now, the one thing I that really drew it in is they really they really kept it simple and they only did about I'd say 25% of what they're capable of. Like they kept it very stri- strike oriented. If you were watching in high def, Danielson's chest was just fucked within minutes. Oh yeah. Yeah. My wife commented on that cuz she she was uh, kind of doing some some stuff on her uh, on her tablet. She was like doing um, internet projects or whatever like that, and she wasn't really watching it full attention, but she did look up a couple of times, and then she looked up later on the match. She's like, oh, my God, what happened to his chest? I'm like, they are chopping the shit out of each other. And I think and this My is... wife did the same thing, and she's like, why are they doing that? Oh, well, my wife was like, I thought this was supposed to be fake, and I'm like, it is, but <laughs> <laughs> they still They're... like go a little hard sometimes. <laughs> fake is not the right word. Well, I think uh... – um. I think it was Flair used to talk. If you worked Greg Valentine and they'd work like night after night, he'd said like his skin would get infected from the chops. Yeah. Cause he'd chop them so hard. But I, the, I also um, want to say, I don't think I've seen Danielson in this good a shape in a long time either. Oh, fantastic. Right. And yeah. we'll, we'll get, we can get to it, but uh, again, and our mutual friend, Justin, it's your second shadow of the night, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> he counts. He does he, count. He he, he is he, a, does. he is perpetual friend of the show. He's not yeah. that's yes. not just reserved for uh, Christy Petrillo's status. And dames. And dames. Yeah. Uh, Justin was messaging me as that was happening because again I watched it after the fact, but he was like, "I'm convinced Daniel Bryan has or Brian Danielson has found a place that will let him die in the ring because he was some <laughs> of the some of the bumps he took were like you would not believe this is a guy that effectively had to retire for." two or three years he he took yeah, some of those of smart issues. he took some mm-hmm. of those really smart though like the really big one off the top rope he flopped on his belly yeah, for, yes. which which wwe yeah. would not have let him do because they don't like people to do anything other than flat back bumps yes and then there was another i forget what spot it was but there's another spot that it's like he he otherwise would have landed on his head but that ramp spot wasn't it it mm, no, I think he did kind of. He had, he, I think he kind of took that like on the the shoulders. And it was really well, the Kenny, head. Kenny, the way Kenny does those though, you don't mm. really. You you go down pretty. You, you, you go, go down fast, yeah. but you don't go not necessarily uh, as hard as it looks. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, just okay. Uh, the first time I saw Omega throw those Snapdragon suplexes, mm. I was just like, "Good God, man, come on, don't do that to people." And then I watched him do it some more. And I realized, really, Omega's taken more of the impact than anybody else. You know, not to – watch the momentum of the person taking it. And they look good. It's it's not if, – if you go hunting for it, it's not quite as brutal he as kinda, it might be. They kind of – I feel like when he – the way he does it, the, the, the brunt of the force is there back into his chest going down. Instead of their head. With the momentum, I, it, yeah, there, I don't feel like there's even that much, like, force to it. The way the momentum goes, um, with with the roll through and everything. So you, like, uh, in hindsight, if I had, in some weird fantasy world, if I had had a match with Omega, I'd be like, no, I'm not worried about taking those. That's not a problem. Um. I don't know. I don't. I don't love the idea of you getting full speed and just smashing me in the face with your knee. But 
you know, the Snapdragons don't bother me. There was one, there was one of those V triggers he hit Danielson with that looked fantastic. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But so where where I really like this is so they're super cautious. Um, that you can tell like the way they're portraying it, they super respect each other, and they don't want to make a mistake. But there's a couple of spots in the match where they both make costly mistakes. So mm-hmm. um, Danielson does this great, and they actually made good use of the ramp attaching to the ring, which I don't like. So Danielson oh, yeah. came off of the top rope with this fantastic knee to the face. Mm-hmm. But, but then he gets a little careless, and Omega gives him that that little dragon suplex on the ramp, which really affects the, which really puts Danielson in peril. But then Omega mm-hmm. later screws up because he goes for the the one winged angel too early, and which I thought was a fantastic counter. Danielson mm-hmm. reverse Rana's him into oblivion. Poison mm-hmm. Rana is that what they're calling it now? I I think that is actually what it. Like the, the term is called. Yeah. I mean um, reverse Rana, poison Rana, same thing. Yeah. But there was a couple there's a couple spots, a couple things I noted before it got to that point, because I felt that once once like that they went to the outside and there was that uh there was the, the dragon rana uh on the ramp, I think that's when the match to me really kicked into gear. because mm-hmm. uh, I, I liked the first half of the match. Um, I think you guys maybe liked it a little better than me. I still would. We don't do snowflakes, but I would give this like five stars. But I, that's this, that's what this I think. The throned like, um, Dustin Cody for me is the best AEW match. I would say that's probably true. Um, mm-hmm. I I two things I note before I even got to like the the shit gets kicked into gear part. Um, I loved Omega's just overall like viciousness in this. He was taking it seriously. He was taking this entire match seriously, and he would do things. Which it's like he wasn't necessarily just being a dick, but he was vicious. Like he would throw a V trigger or V trigger or something, where it's like he you could tell this guy wasn't he's not fucking around. He's yeah. coming to be serious. And then there was a spot that I think this was before the outside spots, but uh, it may have been after. But Danielson breaking out the motherfucking cattle mutilation. Yes. <laughs> Even though he only got it on for like uh, like ten seconds before Omega got to the ropes, but that was people were. I did look online. I did, uh, I did kind of go online on Twitter during this match because even though I wasn't watching it live, I, I was trying to see like what was actually happening. Mm-hmm. And I did see like the the when because the, whenever they do these shows, like the hashtag of the show trends. So yeah. when, when people were talking about Dynamite, when he busted that out, all I saw on like the the Twitter feed of, for trending was like God of Mutilation, like people yes. in all caps, and it's like yeah, I can imagine you hadn't seen that move probably in like ten plus years. They uh, the the crowd went ballistic for that, mm-hmm. and um, well, I mean the to get even to that point, Danielson spent a lot of time going after omega's arm you know he's mm-hmm. trying to set him up for the label lock which by the way oh my god i'm so glad they're back to calling it that mm-hmm. the guest lock was the dumbest name to put on it but you know he's working his way to that and he's doing that and it's robbing omega of some functionality and then he, he slaps the cattle mutilation on and it's just like oh man and it, in my head i know it's like they're not going to finish with that mm. if for no other reason than how hard it is to brand something 
and the, say the guy's finish is, quote, the cattle mutilation. My wife looked at me like I grew another head when I called it that. But, like, the LaBelle lock? Sure, not a problem. You can get, that's no big, but, you know, they're not going to put, it's like, one-winged angel versus cattle mutilation. You know, what's gonna, they're not going to do that. But in my head, I'm, in, but, you know, there's this thing down in my gut where I'm like, oh, man, what if? Like, that's, that's the surprise is that Danielson busts that out and takes it. But, didn't you know, it, it's it's still a great spot for it. It doesn't mean it can't be a finish in the future even. But there's just that, that little bit, you know, deep down in my gut where I'm like, oh, man. Um, the yeah, Like Brad said, you know, they're taking this – they start out taking this careful <clears throat> because they know the other guy's good enough that he'll snatch you, mm-hmm. if, if you if you screw up. And then, like Matt said, they start they start cutting it loose. They don't go full tilt. And this is they start um, cutting it loose. This is the purest like New Japan heavyweight Kenny Omega that's shown up in AEW to this point. I'd say, like, I this, would, I would agree. This is like where like you get the really smart like signature and like finishing maneuver um, deployments, um, the really good like work and like the the trying to beat each other stuff. I actually feel it's funny you brought that up because I actually feel that probably starting at least with the the first Omega Christian match and then get bleeding into like the all out Christian Omega match. We we kind of have been seeing now New Japan Omega like that. He has kicked his his style into that gear. I'm seeing more like I'm wrestling in the, the main event of the motherfucking Tokyo Dome. Wrestle Kingdom, like I, that's what I'm, I'm feel like I'm seeing, and this was like it, and this is also a preview. Like it, things are so weird with COVID and Japan, yeah. But assuming that by this time next year, things are a little more open, like I would be shocked if we're not seeing Brian Danielson in, in the G1 in mm-hmm. New Japan. Like that's that guy's career path. It, like that seems to be like almost like a tunnel vision. Like that's what that guy wants to go and wrestle in New Japan, and I think he wants to be part of the G1 or at least do Wrestle Kingdom or something. And I, I feel like this is potentially like the quality of a match we're gonna see, which that's a whole other discussion we could talk, talk about. But it's like imagine like Danielson versus uh, Ibushi or Okada or even Shingo mm-hmm. like Takagi, even like Tomohiro Ishii like that. It's it makes you want to like just smile with happiness at what's potentially happening. But this match was just absolutely fantastic. I think they Can could, I... I think they could draw 30,000 if they did like a pay-per-view rematch of this and probably I... shatter their t- 200,000. I sell. would, I think I'd be surprised if that's not the direction they're going with for full gear. They have, mm-hmm. they have got about like what's like week or so to, to plan that out, but I would be surprised if that's not where they go because I think, excuse me, I think the pay per view after that is going to be like, like New Year's Revolution or something like that. They, the next one's in February, I think. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a ways away, and I don't think that they're going to necessarily draw this out another like five months. Six I might months, put but... like a roadblock in his way because Don Callis is already kind of selling that mm-hmm. because he he commented on Meltzer giving it five stars. And he said, "You're welcome. Like, see you later." Like pretty much saying like we're not doing this again. So I might put mm-hmm. a roadblock in front of him. Like um, yeah, I might, Omega. Mm-hmm. I might put like um, Adam Cole in his way or someone else from the Elite in his way for like the yeah. next pay per view. Uh, 
I don't know though. I almost feel like you strike with your iron's hot, but you're right. Like they could, they they'll probably they'll do a full on mash where it's going to be like a, 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 it will be like a finish, some sort of like finish. Not, See, not I'm a draw. left, I'm left wondering how that's going to interact with the return of Hangman Page too. I think I, Cornette kind of said, you know, sometimes like I I would I would be sad, but I think you know sometimes you do have to scrap your plans when someone better falls in your lap yeah and i mean if you if you landed brian danielson i mean pay you can do stuff with page in the interim but i think you have to you really have to capitalize on that sure Uh, i'm not saying don't i'm just curious about it i'm like i wonder how that'll play um the uh, i'm not i'm not gonna get um into the finish uh just yet but yeah there's a spot from you, the finish i want to talk about that i really you guys liked. were talking about seeing omega more in old form I, I like danielson a lot more than i like omega i'm i fully recognize omega is very good i'm just not an omega guy but he did fewer things in this match that he has done recently that kind of annoy me mm-hmm. and the things that annoy me are are strictly taste i understand that like, yeah, but I, I have to say in takes. your defense, though, we we're talking in the chat thread, and I said, I said Kenny Omega is the wrestler of the year, and there's no argument. And you said, no, there's not. And you said no, and you even, you even like had like not having seen everything he did, you had like a three or four match list, like right off the bat, you're like, oh yeah, these are all great. Yes. Yeah. Um, the thing that Omega has a tendency to do that I don't care for, and like I said, I know this is a taste thing, but seeing Omega do we might have touched on this before or it may have been off the air i'm not sure but seeing him do the same moves repeatedly is not something that i really enjoy like you're going to see some of that with anybody you know danielson doing kick chop <laughs> kick chop he did that in this okay fine but it seems that in the past omega has been doing less like eight v triggers a match and like, Did he even do one against Christian at All Out? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. But, you know, it, it like I start watching AEW and Omega's just like, oh, I got a lull in the match of V-Trigger. And it's like, uh, okay, the guy's down. V-Trigger, you know, it, it was, you're seeing like six or seven of them a match. And I'm just like, oh. Whereas, like with, with Danielson, for example, historically, you don't see him. You, you saw more variety in his match, which I enjoy more. I enjoy seeing people do different things or bust out new stuff. That's a taste thing. Yeah. Right. And, and that you is see, the difference is that you recognize he's good, though. My problem yes. with a lot of people that slag on him, rip mm-hmm. on him for things that are like eight or nine years in the past and have no context to like the Kenny Omega of like the last six years. That's not the same yeah. animal. Mm-hmm. Sure. And and yeah, I, I I recognize he's good. I just to put it out there, I'm not the biggest Kenny Omega fan, but this match was we don't star like hardly ever, but this was five stars. Yeah. It's just really good. Where is someone uh, so for me, Kenny Omega matches are appointment viewing. Like I'll go out of my way to watch them, but where I think his biggest strength as a worker is, and I don't know You've seen enough now, Shad. I think you you can comment on it. But where I think he's really good is he is really good. Like, he has his match, but his match is really good at incorporating his opponent's strengths 
and the mm-hmm. stipulations of the match with it still being his match. So some people might say Kenny Omega doesn't have a match. I'm like, well, no, he does. It's just well disguised because he he incorporates his opponent and his um in the stipulations. Unlike someone like Seth Rollins, who I don't like, who wrestles the same match no matter the context, situation, or opponent. Yeah, and yeah. has to get his get his shit in. Yeah, yeah. And like, I I understand what you're saying, Chad. Was like, well, he just used a bunch of V triggers, and it's like, yeah, that's. That, I feel like that's almost like a New Japan type of thing. Because they will, they will do like their big moves a lot. Or even if they do, if they don't use them, they oftentimes they will use them more than once. But there may be some like I'm fight like Okada like I'm fighting like maybe he'll fight for the Rainmaker. Uh, and then when he finally hits it, it's a big deal. But it may, oh, maybe, that, maybe, that's maybe, fine. Maybe he hits like two or three of those. But I get we're saying like a V trigger like it's used a lot. But I I would agree with with Brad that Kenny Omega does incorporate a lot of people's strengths and yeah. he does vary it up. And he's also good at masking other guys' weaknesses. Uh, we've talked before about uh, the match he had earlier this year with Rich Swan at one of the Impact pay-per-views. That's where he and, convinced me he was the GOAT because Rich <laughs> Swan blew up to the point I don't think he could move, move and Kenny like literally willed him dro- for another 10 to 12 minutes. It's probably the most uh, realistic example where everyone's always like oh so and so can could literally carry a broomstick to a good match it's like it it was probably the most real life example of that not that rich swan isn't is bad he just was done like he was so, yeah, tapped something out. happened there and he his his gas he, was in. yeah rich, he was rich swan's never disgust. worked 30 minutes so i think yeah. that's um the thing i was gonna say brad is you said omega having a match it's <clears> omega <throat> does but quote unquote his match is when it's time to get his offense in. And so he's very good about, first of all, giving to somebody else. Like, you're you, you're in this match, too. You get offense, and their offense mattering. And so he's that very means... good at, he's very good at, if you have a 99.9% thought that he's going to win the match, he gives you moments of doubt. Yes. And, like, okay, if if you had Omega having a match with somebody who, you know, was was really key on working the leg, like big time on it. Then I, you know, he's he's still going to V trigger the guy, but it's going you're going to have like he goes to do it and just like his knee like gives out and he just like crashes out on the mat because it's like, oh, I should not have been going for that. I don't have the strength back in it yet. You know, you you would have that stuff is is what I think what we're getting at. Yeah. Um, And, you know, and he's if, done a good job where I commend AEW and him is they've done a really good job of protecting the one winged angel. Mm-hmm. I'm point, still convinced that the only since no one's kicked out of it yet, I'm convinced that that's going to be like the big hangman page moment is is page is going to be the one to kick out of it. But see, where but, I think where well, I think that's, that's smart is like when when they were doing that with Lesnar and Reigns and WWE to go into their mania match so they could finish or spam each other. It was really uncreative and boring the way they would do that, and it really cost matches. But with Omega, you know, they're protecting it, so a lot of the times the matches turn into, like like the, the all-out match with Christian is, or the Moose match. He just can't get the move in. Yeah. That that was the thing that happened with, with Christian Cage, was he would go for it, but Cage was ready. And he had different counters ready for it. And um, so for Omega to, to actually get it on him, 
like I'm not talking about trying to hit your move and not being able to until the end. When I say repeating a spot, it, it's it you know, it, you know, it, it rains doing like six spears over the course of a match. It's like oh god, kill me. Yeah. Um, but you know he goes for it and it doesn't work. That's not him doing the move. That's him going for it and getting countered. That that's a whole different animal. And so, um, you know. It, he went. For, I think he only went for it once in this match, didn't he? Yeah, he only went for it once. Yeah. And he paid dearly for it. <laughs> he did. Good God. Because, like, once they got to that last stretch, they never had each other in, like, super vulnerable positions. Mm-hmm. And um, what I liked at the end, like, so it's, like, the last minute, and they're both on their knees, and they can't get up. So they just start headbutting each other on their knees because that's all yeah. they can do to each other. Yes. It was brilliant. All they had left. Yeah. Uh, two things. Well, actually, three things. Um, one, Omega Chad. Omega yeah. showed that he can actually properly do a buckle bomb. Oh yeah. <laughs> he just tossed Daniel Bryan into it. Uh, yeah, but Omega is like freakishly strong. Like well, he's he... not. I don't know if he's like he's not maybe quite Cesaro level strong, but he's actually like much stronger than or people. John. Who are I don't even think he's John Silver strong. Yeah, but he's um. Sorry, I just John watched Silver's a fire. Plug, I just man. watched um. I just watched Dark today, and he literally tossed some dude almost entirely across the ring. I haven't seen that, but did wasn't it like a an eight man tag yeah. where it was like four members of the Dark Order against four guys, and one of the guys was basically like a John Silver clone. He he <laughs> chucked he he literally chucked that guy from one corner to the other. <laughs> I want to see that just for, because the dude literally is, he's like bald with with a beard, and he was wearing like uh, a mock uh, costume of John Silver's Brody Lee uh, tribute Ooh. show costume. Ooh. And it's like, yeah, and he, I, I imagine like he probably just wrecked that dude. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good way to get. Because uh... John, I mean, John Silver is, well, I've the Dark Order has a lot of quietly ripped guys because 10 is like, 10 is a big yeah. dude. Like if, mm-hmm. if 10 lost about, 10 pounds he would be just ripped beyond all i'm not even reason 10 is so dead gum big that i'm not even really worried about him dropping 10 pounds he's just he's He's big boy he's Mm -hmm. big and you can tell he's strong Mm -hmm. i don't have to have somebody who looks like that be ripped i like his bear hug too because he just like whips them around like a rag doll i'm convinced that's the only way to bear hug anymore doesn't he do like a um like a full nelson oh sorry yeah full nelson my bad oh okay yeah. my bad yeah he like ragdolls them on like a full nelson well that's the proper way i mean to yeah. my opinion like the proper way to do it because it does look like you're just destroying the dude yeah um to go back to omega the second thing that i really love the super v trigger i know we're complaining about like too many oh. v triggers but his running v trigger was awesome <laughs> yeah the, the down that. the ramp yeah, yeah. There, there was I, there was one he hit Daniel Bryan like I mean D- Danielson like square in the middle of the ring that looked great. Yeah. Um, I shall say four things. My third thing is not even an Omega thing. It's like Bryan has hey, Bryan just gonna have great selling, mm-hmm. but him selling the arm to the point where even Meltzer was like people were concerned he actually like uh, injured his arm legit. Yeah. And then after the fact. It was like, no, no, he's perfectly fine. Like, he didn't hurt his arm at all. He was just selling because he thought, in that moment, he thought 
based upon what had transpired, like it would make sense to sell the arm and like yeah. it would add to the drama. And he was right. Like it actually mm-hmm. added this really cool element and they worked it into commentary because oh, it was wow. after it was at this like top rope, um, belly to back suplex. And that Danielson did to uh, to Omega, and then on the commentary they're like, "Oh, his arm was trapped underneath Omega when he got," in. so that's why he's selling it. And it made yeah. perfect sense. It was logical. Mm-hmm. It really worked. Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to note, uh, the there was a move that Danielson did towards the end, the flying knee that he tried that Omega blocked and then power bombed Danielson. And then immediately brought him up and fucking V-triggered him. That entire sequence, I was like, oh my god, that's so smooth and looked devastating. Yeah, that that was just like the ocean under the moon. Mm-hmm. And can can I, I want to I want to comment on something that I've noticed the last couple weeks. So there was a point I say in the spring and early summer, I thought they needed to get Jim Ross off of commentary. Mm-hmm. But there is something that's happened in the last two months where. It feels like something happened where he's finally bought all the way in, where his commentary game has like upped incredibly, like on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. I think he's finally just settled in, like things are just flowing now. Because the um, from the last pay per view and then all through these shows, the commentary was just on point. Yeah, when we get, they were so good. When we get to when we get to Rampage, I want to talk about Taz's commentary because oh yes. he legitimately makes me laugh. Like there was something they said during the six man. He's like, well, you know, he is sixty five million years old. I was <laughs> I was laughing so hard. Taz, uh, we'll get to it. But Taz, yeah, we'll I would there. there's a there's a there's an argument to be made that Taz is. This is the best version of Taz that we've seen yeah, cause I, uh, since I, he basically retired from being an active. Wrestler. I hated him in WWE and in TNA, but there's something about him in AEW because he's just this relaxed guy that riffs mm-hmm. and like just pals around with people that I really just I love it. Yeah. And he's also he he stays in character even when he's he's kind of goofing. But it's it's that Taz recognize like on the commentary he recognizes the skill or he recognizes the the positive quality of someone even if he doesn't like them. Because even at the end of the lights out match when he's just cackling like a maniac at Kingston he's like I love this guy he's he's yeah. out of his mind. Yeah. And I think it honestly I just think that it's he's on commentary. But he gets to be a fan even though he's on commentary, so he's just enjoying it while he's doing the commentary. And I think there aren't people in your ear screaming at you all show either. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so um, the the finish on Omega Danielson I thought was perfect because yeah. AEW has something figured out that I have not seen another company figure do well. In uh, at least 20 years, probably can I, 25, Can I take 30. a guess of what you're about to say? Go for it. Less is more? It wasn't what I was going to say, but it, it it feeds into that. They go to a 30-minute Broadway, a 30-minute time limit draw, and my wife was like, we don't – there's no end to it. And I'm like, no, no, no. That right there, that's to keep us coming back. Mm-hmm. 
because they did it with um, Cody Darby, and that put Darby over huge, and it didn't hurt anybody. But now we have this story where Omega and Danielson have had this, you know, screw you, I don't care about the title, I'm just here to prove I'm better match, and neither one of them could pull it off, which now we don't have to damage anybody's mystique. We don't have to change anything. It's just we had 30 minutes of these guys bombing each other and neither one could put each other away. And now they're and now you have this thing where Danielson's like, yeah, oh, yeah, I know. Right. Like you said, no one's on your level. Here I am. You couldn't put me away. And Omega's going to have this thing like. I'm pretty sure I can put him away. I'm pretty sure I can put him away. Oh, God, I couldn't put him away last time. Like, you're, you're going to have this. It, it just feeds in down the line. If you're going to continue a feud, this is a great way to do it. And AEW is the only place I can think of that's done a great job with time limit draws. That's because since, like, they don't. NWA. It, there's, a, there's a constant theme I've noticed with AEW booking is they don't overthink things like other companies do, like WWE does. Like mm-hmm. AEW is just trying to put on a good product. They're not constantly trying to figure ways out of giving the fans anything like WWE always is. And they're not trying to subvert anything. Yeah. They're just, they're just trying to give the fans what they want. They're trying to give the fans something good. And they're Even not... if you don't get what you want, they want to give you something good. And like, I think if this had happened in WWE, there would have been a run in or something stupid. Yeah. Um, with it because <laughs> you have a run in and then someone loses and it's like oh no it wasn't clean it's like no 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 that's not the story we're telling here we're not telling the story that it's got to continue because it wasn't a clean win we're telling the story because they didn't have enough time to get done with each other yeah this is this is like um this is like a boxing match that goes into extra rounds because the other one, neither guy could put the other one away, which in the, um, I'm going to call my shot here, and I don't have anything to base this off of other than fantasy booking in my head, but I'm betting 60-minute Iron Man match is what's coming. Well, I mean, if you, if you put him in a title match, theoretically, it would be a 60-minute time limit, too. I'm just saying, I think there's going to be, it might just be that there's an Iron Man match coming. See what I would do? I would I would have him go go a sixty Broadway. Ooh. And then kind of mimic like the Omega Kata thing. Okay. And then you come you... back. You come back with um. Then you come back for the next pay per view and you do this is a non. This is like there's no time limit. This will go as long as it takes to get a winner. Hmm. My concern with that would be. Then you've got to go more than 60 minutes. And are you going to wear out your welcome? I think like as good as they are. The one where he beat Okada went like, what, 64 minutes, maybe. Do you remember, Matt? I think so. That's I'm intrigued by what you're saying. But do you think do you think that the fans would go for that? They went for 30. Why wouldn't they go for 60? If there been 60, another, do you think it, I, in a pay-per-view or is it going to be on TV? Because I feel like that's. Mm. But see, I think here's they what go I for 60 once. Here's, I don't think they go for it twice. I think if they had gone 60 here, they wouldn't have lost the crowd or anyone. 
you could maybe do another match and then you could have you could potentially have another 30 minute draw well see here's here's how you would do a 60 to keep people in so you do this for like the third the first 30 which is like the simpler they kind of kept it in their pants thing Mm-hmm. that they did and then you get to the next 30 and then they just go absolutely ape shit and just start really like bringing everything in their arsenal out on each other and just going all out crazy tables like doing like just crazy shit to each other i and just and just have them slowly like in that 30 minute it just turns into this like one upping each other like getting you know kind of like the first omega okada match or like the first 30 was all set up and then the second 30 they just went crazy and doing every like you know tables like everything to each other like like that match was structured i think that the the fans would go for it once but not twice no i wouldn't do it twice but now, i think i think you could pull the 60 off and people would not be mad now i'm this is Bear in mind, I'm not countering your idea. I'm just floating this as a thought. Okay? Bearing in mind that we do have a a hanging thread out there. So we had this 30-minute match, and neither one of them could put each other away. And we have the 60-minute match. And imagine we get to the end of it, and they're both just so dead. They're just on their knees, and they're just slugging at each other. But, like, their hands are so heavy, it's hard for them to even lift their hands to hit each other. And, like, they can't finish each other off. And you get to the next Dynamite or whatever, and the statement is, you know, we're not doing this again. You you couldn't beat me. You could not beat me and take the title. You've lost your chance. We're not doing it. We're moving on to the next person. And and then Danielson goes, oh, oh, that's how you're going to do it? And he goes, yeah, he goes, then I know. In that 60-minute match, you've left something behind. You are not the man you were before that match, which means it's time for someone to get his shot. And that's how you bring Paige in and for Paige's win. Is that going to be too much or would that flop? What do you think? I don't know because I think you'd have to get the belt back to Omega. Where, Where would he have lost it? Well, if you, to get Paige's win would be the title. Yeah. I'm saying that, that Danielson and Omega have a 60-minute, and it, it goes to another Broadway because they just can't beat each other. Like, mm-hmm. they're so evenly matched. And then at the end of it, they're saying, We're, you're not getting another title shot. You cannot have another title shot because you, you, had, you had your chance and you couldn't win. And so they refused to give one to Danielson. So Danielson, as a screw you to um, Omega, is like, oh, okay. Well, then, and that's that's how he brings Paige in. And the idea is Danielson took so much out of Omega, and Paige oh, shows okay, up and freaks Omega out. Like, when, when Hangman comes through the comes out the tunnel, and he's like, you know, I, you and me, whatever day, time, Omega's just like, oh, God, he's here for blood, and I don't have it. I'm not sure I have it in me to stop him. Like, the only hang-up I see in the logic is Danielson letting it go. See, what I would do, I think what I might do after the 60 is do a world title eliminator where he gets his way in and then you put, you bring someone special in, like say uh, Tanahashi, and then you you work it to the final as on a pay-per-view and you do Tanahashi and Danielson as like your 
your final to get him mm-hmm. his like next world title shot and then you kind of get a cool little special dream match in there mm. matt what do you think am i reaching too hard <clears throat> uh i just i don't i don't know i don't know how because the danielson coming in is like a I, I don't want to agree with Jim Cornette, but it's like I I because I really don't I would not put the title on Danielson per se, but uh, you do also have to be flexible. And you can't yeah. be too rigid. But I do feel like it's it's been like two it, it's been t- so far like two years two and a half years of booking towards Paige being the one dethroned Omega. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I still feel he needs to get that big win because he's mm-hmm. kind of like, he's been on the cusp becoming a big deal and i don't think he should be overshadowed i think you you need to build like the next generation of of main event guys yeah um and page is kind of like he's he's been close to that but not quite there yet he's just uh, needed that one big thing that would, yeah that was cement <laughs> and they are either either uh heavily promoting or it's just kind of quietly promoting it but november i think 17th yeah is uh a dynamite show and it's going to be taking place in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, and that is when Paige is actually supposed to be coming back. Uh, yeah, he he's is on fr- the promotional yeah, he, material. Okay. So he is, he's actually from Virginia. He's from a different part of Virginia. Norfolk is in like the, um, the Southeast portion of the state where he's more from like, uh, kind of more like from the Southwest area. Yeah. Uh, so it's, but it's still Virginia. It's like he's basically that's basically going to be like his hometown, quote unquote hometown. Uh, yeah. Coming out, returning. So that should be like really big. I imagine he's gonna, there be some sort of promo or something like that. I, I still think you can work him in some way. My safe bet on on pages. He's because they've had to have the Dark Order do something in the meantime. Mm-hmm. And so Paige's return is going to be what solidifies them back together, is my guess. So, like, they kind of played with that with Anna Jay, but Paige's return is going to, like, solidify them back. And then they're going to have his back moving forward, is is my prediction. So I want to say, too, what I thought was remarkable about this card is they did not, Dynamite did not lose steam after this. That's true. They rode... They rode the momentum very well. So what was the next match on our... The next match was um, MJF with Wardlow versus Brian Pillman Jr. with Julia Hart. So what I found refreshing about this is they really didn't do the dumb face tropes with Pillman Jr. here. So, like, um, MJF goes for, like, the handshake spot, which a lot of faces fall for, but um, Mm -hmm. Pillman Jr. takes him down. And, mm-hmm. like, obviously everyone knew Pillman Jr. was going to lose in this, but I really, really liked is he showed a lot of fire and a lot of feistiness, which, like, in WWE, a lot of their faces do not behave this way. Yeah. It wasn't complicated, but it, you know, it was kind of – there was a lot of basic stuff. But, I mean, Pillman Jr. just beat the piss out of MJ. It was a nine-minute-20 match. He beat the – pick my, my categories – Um beat the piss out of MJF for more than half the match. And so, you know, it's like, no, like Pillman's, yeah, like you said, he's got fire. He went hard. And so him not winning, him not winning wasn't as bad as it could have been. 
because it doesn't look like he's a chump. Yeah, yeah and he's, he's lost. But I mean, he doesn't that, look like a chump. In the AEW hierarchy, he's kind of a low end mid Carter, so and more of a tag yeah. guy. Yes. Yeah, whereas MJF is super mobile. MJF can go up or down the card anywhere. Actually, truth be told, I've never been a big Brian Pillman Jr. fan, and this is like, other than that Max Caster match, which I liked a lot, this is like probably the best match I've ever seen him in for me personally. Uh, it is, but I feel with, we'll get, I'll, I have way more comments about the Cody uh, Malachi mm-hmm. Black match, but I, I, one thing I did not personally care for for all the shit. That MGF was was talking about uh, Pillman's family, like I feel like this should have been almost like a grudge match where there Pillman's just going like wild on this dude, um, and we didn't really get that. We got more like a mat, uh, basic match, but um, I did think this was this was a quick match, but I did think it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally probably like Pillman more as a tag guy with uh, Griff Garrison. When I actually liked that that tag team a lot because they were they almost started basically like it's almost like effectively like a jobber to the stars type of type of tag team Mm -hmm. and they have been slowly building them up uh where you could argue that they're more like an established tag team and i would actually like to see them establish a little more like they don't you don't need to put the belts on them but i would love to see them like work a program uh griff's a little too much of a goof for my taste but i do like their tag team i do like their tag team i I would love to see them in a in like a feud with like FTR or something like that. It doesn't have to be a long feud. I don't need to see them fighting for six months, but a one or two month feud with them, mm-hmm. I think would be pretty cool if them did get like a high profile match. Cause that, that was the thing that I loved, uh, like in late eighties, uh, WW quote unquote WWF slash WWE. And also like a lot through the nineties in, in WCW that there you would always have established tag teams and even like lower tier tag teams, but they would still, they would still have like high profile matches. You could count on like, maybe you'd have like a WCW Saturday night where you'd see high voltage, uh, not even high voltage, like maybe a a slightly more qualified tag team than that. Maybe you'd see like the Steiner. Well, I don't think they're in the same time frame, but maybe you'd see, like the Road Warriors or something versus uh, Tech Slasher and Shanghai Pierce, like you maybe, and it'd be like okay, like lower, uh, you'd have the lower tier uh, heel tag team, but then you watch it, and it'd be like ten ten minutes of dudes just like throwing bombs at each other, and it would be quietly awesome. So I would like to see something like that, but uh, it's like I the thought, uh, mm-hmm. the Faces of Fear versus yeah. like High Voltage, and it's like. It's it's Ming and the Barbarian. You're pretty sure they're going to wreck high voltage, but mm-hmm. it's still good because they go hard at each other, right? Like, they've got an identity. Each team has an identity, and then they go hard at each other. So it's like, you know, you're these, this isn't chump sauce. You know, these, mm-hmm. you, it doesn't matter. If they're, they're not a tag team, you're not going to have an easy night. Am I kind of reading what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. All right. So what's, what's our next match on the show? Ah, uh, the Cody versus Malachi Cody versus Black. Malachi. Pro the the um, I least popular. I hated this match. match on the card. I I I, didn't. I had a lot. I didn't hate it, but I had a lot of issues with it. I have so okay, like well, so Cody's entrance took too long, and there was too much shit going on, and his superhero costume sucked to start with. I would I would start there. I would I I don't I hate to cut you off. I know you have comments about this. 
that right there, because there's been a lot of commentary in the last few days where it's like people like, oh, I fucking hate Cody. And it's like, I don't hate him. I think there's a great argument to be made that for like the first year of AEW, he may have been the ace. He and was, he was, put, he was putting on fantastic matches. And I was completely invested in Cody. And then he left to do like game shows and now filming his like reality show and he had a kid it's like that's fine like he he is he's actually said like from day one he's like i don't intend to do this like it, meaning in-ring wrestling stuff and I, I don't intend to do this like forever so he wants to branch out he wants to like kind of establish himself and everything i'm okay with that but this this entrance and everything it's like that's ex- this is this is why people are starting to turn on him because he actually the kind of the criticisms that he gets i think are not fair they pe- people act like he just like he's like 2000s era triple h where he everything's about cody and he just goes in there and he just beats the shit out of people like no. wins everything no. it's like not he's actually if you actually like look at what he does, he's remarkably selfless in that he will be in a feud and he'll get a guy over and then he'll like lose the feud. Uh, and he's put guys over. He's and they clearly have been using him to establish Malachi Black. Uh, that's all fine, but it's like Malachi Black attacked Cody, quote unquote, retired him, and then proceeded for like the course of over like a month was systematically taking Just KOing out like, people. Yeah, K, but specifically KOing and wiping out Nightmare Family people, like Cody's uh, protégés or Cody's brother, etc. And so then they're having this match, and this match should have been a fucking, like, this is a grudge match, I'm coming in there hot, I want, like, blood, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And instead, Cody, let's have an elaborate like entrance with a superhero costume that he looked like fucking evil. Well, and it really, it was, a, it was a terrible, <laughs> it was a terrible entrance. Cause I actually really liked their brawl the week before. Yeah. But then this but was have, not, no, you have him come out and it's all that he has. this. And, and why would Brandy, foot... why would you bring your wife out when you're going to have this? Like, Brandy's supposed... one, like big spot in the match where she rolled in there and got in Black's face. I, I actually kind of like because it's just she's just like, you son of a bitch. What you've been doing to us and our friends? She, like getting in his face to dick with him a little bit like that. Yeah, I'm, but I'm but, fine. Here's, but my problem with that, my problem with that is, is if I am going out there to go to total war in this bloodbath with this guy that I hate and that's been taking mm-hmm. out my family, like. I'm not going to bring my wife out there with this uncontrollable weirdo that's like kicking people's faces in just because who's, they're associated with me. I wouldn't even bring basi- Arn out there. No, who's basically like satanic and it, they've kind of like they don't really do like, you know, the WWE magic type of thing. But the part of the gimmick that this dude is like, if you notice like his right eyes, his right eyes supposed to be like infected with evil or something like that. It's like he's he gets getting like more elaborate black or gray face paint on his eye it's like it's a dude like there who's who's been like terrorizing you and your family and your friends and you should be going out there it should almost be like the bunkhouse brawl you're coming out there and like like a t-shirt and jeans and your face your 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 wrist your fists taped up right maybe a trash can of plunder yeah ready to like just blood like you're i'm gonna i'm gonna like 
bloody this dude up. And instead, it's the fucking pageantry. Let me go out. Is it because Cody is like, I like the guy, so no offense. Is he just like that much of an insufferable fucking comic book nerd? And I'm a, I'm a comic book guy. I love comic books. Like, is he just that much of a fucking nerd? Is like, I have to come out here with a comic book outfit with a 20 foot cape. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like enough. This is why people have turned on you. It's it. That's I feel like if you cut the pageantry shit, like people would be more acceptable. But it's I've... like when he comes out there and it's like he, people can look at that and be like, oh, he's making all about him. And I don't he's not really, but he kind of is. I kind of feel like I can't pronounce his last name because I, but the where he really lost me and I felt like he kind of jumped the shark as being like a good act for them is the Anthony. A go go. Yeah, go go match at um, mm-hmm. double or nothing that kind of flopped. I feel like that's where he he really needed to rethink things and tweak the act a bit, and he is not. He hasn't because then he he like his kid was born and he's been doing this like reality show so maybe he's been distracted but um and his ring I, work's gone down the last year too i think that's affected a lot too his matches have not been great no they've been almost like formulaic but again he's i mean i i'd have to go like on someplace like cage match but i would be surprised if in 2021 if the dude has had more than like a dozen matches like he probably has significantly less than that but yeah people make a big a point about the Agogo match where uh, because Agogo lost and it's like people are angry. That's that's kind of when people like, oh, Cody just makes it about himself. And it's like I don't I don't. He shouldn't have lost to Agogo at that point. Agogo's. No, because Agogo is still like very 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 green. Um, yeah. But the thing is, like after he after Agogo lost, you didn't see him again. But then you it came out that Agogo. I guess he has a history of eye surgeries, but he had another eye surgery. So it actually makes me wonder if if Ogogo was perfectly healthy, that he may have won that match. And, um, but then you follow that up with the Shaq feud, though, where Cody was trying to be a face, which I think was a big yeah, misplay it, there. It, with Ogogo, it does make me wonder if, like, ordinarily he would have won, and then they would have done more of a push with him. But I wonder if that dude got was going to have to have the eye surgery. And so he lost and then, you know, went to go get the eye Could surgery. Be. He's, he's been since recovering. Um, but I, I think, I think facts. regardless yeah, of the facts though, I think that's where, for me, he jumped the shark there. Yeah, I could see that. Where people would think that I, I don't hate on Cody um, myself. Like I, I'm of this very dual mind of this match. Like, the match itself doesn't bother me, mm-hmm. but then when you turn and look at the 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 context of it, I'm just like, uh, I would have made different choices here. So I, I also think he gets. I also think people are turning on him because his stuff feels very WWE at times, and I think that really rubs people the wrong way. I see. I feel like that it it, it can work. But I know what you mean. Like there are times where it feels like it's that I'm trying to make this more. I'll use the term cinematic. I don't really mean like cinematic like WWE has done where it's like the Undertaker, AJ Styles graveyard thing where it's like so much smoke and mirrors. But it's more like I'm trying to make this like a big deal. And again, like the again, the pageantry, so much pageantry involved in all this and even like calculated spots 
like again like why is brandy out there oh she's out there basically to do this spot where she rolls into the ring and flips off malachi black and i didn't hate the spot um i did think that malachi black sold it appropriately where he just like looks at her and he's like laughing where it's like oh you think you're like getting one over on me because you're flipping me off like but it's like it's unnecessary i didn't hate the stop it's also like what's the point of this no there's more egregious stuff in this match that bothered me i i didn't i didn't think the match was bad it was the wrong the 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 problem is the match in a vacuum is not bad but -hmm. the way they treated malachi black is not how you treat a heel of his stature you should have situation this match should have basically been like this is how they should have laid this out (laughs) my opinion like malachi black like cody should have come in there with fire no pageantry no like uh, here's my superhero costume just have him come out there you can just have him just come out in his ring gear but he like basically bum rushes the ring just starts laying into malachi black he gets the he gets the early advantage for like a couple minutes and then he does something or something something happens where malachi gets control then malachi just beats the shit out of him and then maybe you have cody like a hope spot and then malachi black just kicks his head off yeah Boom. because Boom, I'm pinning you. That's where, done. What, what really bothered me about this is like literally like the last five minutes of the match are Malachi Black laying around somewhere and Arn flopping around like a dead fish. And like that. So that, that I, I think you could even I, feel Tony Schiavone rolling his eyes at the Arn stuff during this. Yeah, it, the Arn spot is where this match completely derailed and there wasn't much match after that spot but obviously there was there they they had booked a spot where arn was supposed to get up on the ring apron and malachi was supposed to send cody into arn and the guy would you know fly off the ring and cody would be so concerned but arn fell off once and then he had to like sheepishly like crawl back onto the ring yeah and and the credit to the camera guy like they moved away they they cut back to the action versus but there was no action basically what happened was and this was like smart smart work by both black and cody like they it was almost like cody was like working to get black up but they were clearly like stalling for time so that Arn could get back on the apron because they they did this they did a savu it's like oh this was the spot we gotta gotta do the spot and it's like actually maybe you call a fucking audible you just you should cody just rolls out there to check on you do the same thing without Arn getting on the apron yeah Cody rolls out and he's like are you okay Arn's like get back in there what are you doing no you see this is what i would have done this is what i would have done it would have messed your time up a little bit but i would have had him start talking to brandy and like her checking on him and then he turns malachi black mists him and then rolls him up one two three or kicks him in the head one two three and they an audible to that you do a kick like i was disgusted by the fact that he uses the black mist and it's a fucking small package and then he pins it's like no you should have done like well don't forget there was a ref spot in there too because we had to add the extra bit of nonsense to it yeah, it was overbooked. Like, it, if you're gonna do like the 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 miss spot, have him do the miss spot, and then have Cody like fumble around like he's blind. You can have him put his hands in front of his face so it's not obvious he's been misted, and then you have you have Malachi Black just kick kick his head in. I don't even understand. Then, like, they went to all that trouble to hit Arn. Why didn't he just head kick him off of the Arn spot and pin him? Yeah. Like that would have been know. the perfect spot for it. Like they just had it, to, like Cody just had to get that extra little bit to make Black look like a total putz. 
Well, <sighs> like, on one hand, I don't... Cody having this time, and then uh, he's he's had time to, like, study on Black. So he may have had time to get his number. And then this happens, and then Black pulls out a new trick and takes him down. In concept, I, I don't hate it. But it just didn't come off... Um, it made Black well. look bad, and he's too new into the company to to do that to him. It it did not make him look like a monster, which is exactly what you need no, to be doing. No, because he had to he had to fucking lay around for like five minutes so that they could deal with all that shit going on around the ring, which made him look totally weak. And then he can't even like get the kick to win the match. He just like the ref just happens to get hit and then he misses Cody. Like it was stupid. Like that that's totally that is totally counterproductive to like making him look good. I don't I don't hate it, but it's just a like um there there was there was some easy stuff that could have made it better. So I don't I don't hate it as much as um, as you guys do. It reminds me exactly of when Brock Lesnar first won the undisputed title and then he fled like a a scared little child from Triple H and the Undertaker brawling like that is exactly what it reminds me of where like you undercut your badass like monster. Uh, I like I said I don't hate it but uh, there were places in, it could have been better in conte- contextually to black and what they're trying to do with him it was a bad match like in a vacuum I think it's fine like I like it would have been fine for another match they should have audibled on the arn thing because the arn thing just got stupid like, y- yeah that that didn't really work no like they should have audibled the first time he fell because then like they had to keep it just got absurd. And like I said, you could even tell Tony was kind of like, oh, really? Because I think even Tony said, like, you shouldn't have been up there, Arn. <laughs> like, he directly he called him out. He totally did. On it. He did. And it was just, I just, I just didn't like it. Like, the Arn stuff didn't help, but I wouldn't have liked it to begin with. Like, Black just needed to head kick him to win. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to take it into the next one, which is totally going to be a palate cleanser. And this was not like a long-term build match, but this came off of what maybe a couple of week build. But it was FTR versus Darby Allen and Sting. I like their NWOS gear to taunt Sting, by the way. Yeah, and Sting doing his face paint differently to kind of reflect that FTR had like wiped Darby's off as as an insult. So Sting like had his all smeared as kind of a nod to that. Mm-hmm. I mean that's just a little detail, but it's nice. And then the, the announce team even even commented on it, which was also nice. They're they're really good at picking up on those details. Now I but, loved one part I loved of this is um when Darby was trying to get the tag and he's doing that stuff where he's trying to daredevil over the guy and then yeah. he kinda just flops down and like dies between his legs. Yeah. Yeah. Darby had a lot of, of really good trying to get to the, the tag um stuff in this. But, and you would I was just say you would not expect that in the year of our Lord 2021 <laughs> that that the person who's getting the hot tag is 62 year old Sting and who looked probably better than he did in at points in like his career 25 years ago. Sting, people have been talking about his performance in this match 
Uh, and I, again, I didn't have a chance to watch this until earlier tonight. And I just text, I like messaged the guys. I'm like, holy shit, this tag yeah. match. Sting was phenomenal in this. And you watch this, you do not know. You cannot perceive that it's a 62-year-old man yeah. moving around. Like the, a couple points, he's slightly slower, but it's like he's moving he around didn't get better than... The, the last Scorpion mm-hmm. death drop, he didn't... I mean, that that's the last thing or splash, he did not get much air on. But I think he just missed... I think he... I think what, But it wasn't <clears throat> due to age. He got too close and realized... It was that, a misstep. So yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I was listening to uh, Brian Alvarez talk about this match, and he he loved the match, but he he made a comment. Where it's like, oh yeah, Sting was going with a stinger splash. He got like you know three inches off the ground, and it's like actually he did about four stinger splashes. Yeah, yeah. two of them he got fantastic air on, like his normal air. Uh, the other two, the times he didn't do that big of a leap, it's because one time, the first time they it, were he, stacked. He, yeah, first time yeah. it was because both FDR was stacked, and the other time it's like because the there there was also like busyness in in the corner. So he he it looked more like he was actually trying to protect the guys and not go too crazy. It was both times it was when guys were stacked. When he was doing a yeah. single person, yeah. got great. Yeah. That dude still can move. Sting, we have to accept the fact that a 62 year old Sting is like a genetic freak of a freak of nature. Like he, he is. is he should not be able it's it's one thing to be like okay yeah he can like do a couple moves it's like no that dude is bumping out there he's moving around with he's light on the, his feet like he does not yes. have like he yes he, you know what my favorite part of this match was though so he he does they do the whole chair spot and he gets the guy mm-hmm. down and tully's just kind of hanging out there and sting doesn't have to but he's like oh wait a minute fuck you and punches him right in the face <laughs> yes <laughs> look <laughs> We talked about this. The ending sequence of this was phenomenal. I was like, "Oh my god, this is so good." This is this is what I felt like. I I needed a cigar after this ending sequence. This this is what I love about AEW, though. AEW has me dying to see two sixty-year-old men get in the ring and fight each other. (laughs) Yeah. The ending sequence is perfect because they totally had set up a chair, and it's like, "Oh my god, Sting's about to do his like a his stinger splash into the chair," and he stopped. He stopped his momentum, and then he he basically the uh, I think it was it was a Dax. Yeah, it was uh, Dax. Yeah, he like sent him into the chair, and then like you said, punched Tully, and then got uh got Dax into like basically the Scorpion, and you think like uh, Cash Wheeler was gonna come in and prevent the tap out, but then you have Darby get up to the top rope and do all basically a blind. Uh, coffin drop onto Cash while Cash is like leaning into the ring like hanging on the apron and like yeah. that uh, that's a dangerous that was a dangerous move that's a lot of trust that he that yeah. both guys kind of put into each other but and he, fantastic he, spot and then Sting gets the, the tap out victory and it's like I was like this was so good on so many levels this was layered it's like you you have this amazing sequence that was carried out perfectly mm-hmm. by one of the people being a 62-year-old man, and this did everything it was supposed to do. And that it made <laughs> it made the veteran look both really good and competent and mm-hmm. crafty. Like the, that's exactly what you would want in a guy who's been around the business for like 30 years. Like he knows his way. Like he stopped his momentum on that spot, sent the other guy into the, the thing, and then decked decked the the manager to prevent him from interfering crafty veteran well, it was he was 
I also mm-hmm. think though, I also think t- he he might not have thought Tully was gonna interfere, but it was also like, oh okay, yeah, you wiped my face paint off last week. Fuck you, like and just yeah, you like was giving him a little payback it, for what he did. It also did the job of making the young up and coming guy that you want to make a star. It made him look good, and it got him involved in the finish where it's like he basically made sure there was going to be no interference and yeah. took the other guy out. It made him look like a million bucks. The entire match, like Darby, looked Sting, like a million bucks. Sting got the win, but Darby won the match for them. Well, and what I love about Sting, and this <clears throat> happened when they, they fought Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, I love the finishing sequence there because Sting only bested Scorpio because he outsmarted him. Because he grabbed yeah. the ropes and turned it into a, a scorpion death drop. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's something that Sting's done really well. It's like he's not mm-hmm. – he doesn't – like he can go toe-to-toe because he's still a big guy. Because my wife's like, wow, Sting's a really big guy. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's he's a, he's a big he boy. Was, he was arguably the biggest guy in there. Yeah. Yeah. At least height-wise. Like but, uh, I think – FDR, I think, is more like built at this point. I mean, no offense, like they're like 30 yeah. years younger than Sting. But he's really good at being like, um, he did what Satoshi Kojima did really well in that John Moxley match. Is like he does that wily veteran thing, mm-hmm. where he's not the best physically, but he he he's out thinking people due to experience. Yeah, like the chair spot. Yeah, yeah. Now I want to. One other thing I want to do in this is I want to point out we're going through all this. We have got to give just a massive truckload of credit to FTR because they did such a good job with this. Everything that they did. Yes. The point of this match was that Sting and Darby are going to look good coming out of this. Nothing FTR in this match that they did looked out of place, made them look like buffoons, made them look like they're just standing around waiting for anything. Even the finish, whenever Cash is coming in to try and break it up, he wasn't laying on the mat forever waiting on Darby. Like, he comes in to do that, and Darby hopped up there and jumped. Like, everything came together, and, like, you know, them keeping Darby from uh, from making the tag and all that, so it was great. Like, they did a fan fantastic job and i just i just gotta gotta give them credit for how good they were also um i i highly recommend it it's last week's dark that was part of grand slam Slam week but on dark they had um it's about a ten and a half minute match with uh stallion roger and anthony green that's absolutely excellent for like a job match Just to give them a shout out for something that was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's what's next on our? Are before we, we the, get to that, are we, we at the last that, match? Okay. We are. Um, before we get to that, uh, I just want to say like we we had talked about Danielson and Hangman Page, but it, so and I really do feel like they obviously are in the main event scene or should be in the main event scene, but it I have to wonder like how long can they kind of push off pushing strapping a rocket to Darby's backside because I, I don't know. He, they've, they've comfortably, he, they've comfortably like situated him in a good spot, which is like, he's clearly number, a star. Yes. They've, he's a star and he's being positioned as such. And yes. he's getting, he's right now, he's kind of getting the number two face program 
mm-hmm. most of the time, and he's existing kind of in an ecosphere of of going against like <clears throat> the secondary heels. And Sting really gives him a lot of flexibility though, because you can put him in these tags like quarterly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I would say he's comfortably in that like that mm-hmm. that number two, number three spot. And if you're careful with him, I think you can kind of keep him there for a, a year or two and people yeah. wouldn't get tired of it. I think yeah. that what they're doing is they're waiting for the, the whole bubble of like the elite around the world title picture to kind of crack. And when that does, then they're going to move Darby in there because Darby's built up. Darby gets ratings. He moves the needle. So whenever you take Omega out of that, you're not going to lose things because you're moving Darby into it. And now it's you have a very different main event scene, but you have it with someone who's very popular. So I think they're positioning him for that spot when the 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 main event scene transforms and i think i think you could and i don't think it would be out of place i think you could put the tag titles on him and sting for like six months and people wouldn't care it would be interesting i but i think i don't think you could mm -hmm. put the tnt title back on him i think he's above that now yeah like him beating miro is something that will happen down the line but the only thing it would do, it wouldn't build Darby up to do it now. It would only like no. devalue Miro. I mean, unless he needs, he, unless he wants a Fuego del Sol's car. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 um, I, I just, I, I made a joke on some message board that I wondered if after that match he and Lana fornicated on every inch of that oh. car just because. <laughs> that was a new model Hyundai Elantra. I don't know if there's enough room on that thing to put Miro all over. I'm a little offended. I just don't think it's big enough. Well, yeah, but it ain't ain't a big car. I just, I'm offended that Fuego del Sol had as nice of a car as he did. He needed like a, he needed like, um, I don't know, maybe like a VW bug from like the mid 2000s. Well, no, he got, he got his, he got his new contract. And so he went and put a down payment and got payments on a new car. But it's like, uh, I, I probably wouldn't have done that, Soul, but, I, you know, you do you, I guess. We'll get to him on Rampage, but I love Fuego Del Sol. He is mm-hmm. he is a treat of, like, the undercard. Yeah. he's For a guy who's not winning much, he's got personality and you get well, behind Well, they do it. so much for a guy that only has a couple of wins. Like, that's really where, where – um, what I love about the company is just the details they pay attention to, like just like Fuego del Sol. Yeah. Like, well, I guess they kind of did that with um, Ellsworth and WWE for a bit. But that was treated as more of a gag. Yeah. Whereas del Sol is like he's in this scrappy underdog position as opposed to being like a joke challenger. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, next match on the card, uh, I believe that this was, let me look. It's Britt Baker. And yes, Ruby. this was the main event for Dynamite. Britt Baker with Jamie Hayter and Rebel versus Ruby Soho. I really enjoyed this. Um, this was about, Britt Baker's really become a great worker. She has. 
And the one thing I will say that offended me is she did not have the belt on properly when she came out. It was too far to one side, and it bugged me. Oh, yeah, I get that. Someone needed to, like, stop her and, like, just push it about just, just three inches. Just reposition. Yeah. yeah. See, but that, that belt's weird, though. I, I think that belt gets off kilter real easy because they, they, it's really um, – it's tall and thin. Yeah, it's it's kind of small for my tastes, but it doesn't look bad. One thing also that I really like about Britt Baker is the fact that whenever she's doing stuff, she finds the camera very – like almost instantly and then does something character appropriate to it. Mm-hmm. She did that spot on the outside and and Soho's down, and she just turns and looks over her shoulder right at the, the mobile cam and like smirks and winks at it. And it's just like, okay, okay. she the pieces have fallen into place. Now, what I liked about the ending here is they did a lot of outside interference here, but they did it in such a way where the face didn't look bad. Like, she was getting the best of everyone. There was just too much to to counteract, (laughs) and it cost her, instead of just making her look like a total putz. Well, and one of the things I liked to speak to that is that it's one thing to have Rebel out there, and Rebel, Rebel, I mean, Rebel is a trained worker, but she also... Uh, she doesn't mm, wrestle much. She, wrestles she doesn't like, wrestle much. She's not the not historically the best worker, um, and she has been presented more as like like a laxy, a lackey, and also like a kind of like a klutz, where it's yeah. like she's more likely to to try to interfere and it backfire on her. Uh, but they basically had um, Ruby lose based upon interference from Jamie Hader, who is competent. Like a really, yeah, in competent and, and actually a really good worker. Um, so that I really liked, and it kind of does help establish like Jamie Hader is the one who, you know, is more of like the threat, like the, a real threat as a as a second to Britt Baker. Yeah. Um, I have a fondness for Jamie Hader. Like yeah, she, me too. I think she's uh she's very attractive. Yes. Uh, so I don't mind her on my TV screen. She's she's she was a great addition though because she's a very good worker. She is a very good worker. She, as he mentioned before, like she has done a lot of work in Japan, um, especially over the last like couple years. Yeah. So she's she did a. I like that. Um, I actually thought this was a pretty good match. Uh, some people, some people are upset that like Ruby lost, and it's like wait. You I can't. Understand. But you can't. You can't turn this into WCW or TNA where the mm. wwe people come over and win all the titles and yeah they, they did a good but like and the thing is too i thought ruby was gonna lose this because Britt baker's act is hot right now she mm. b- pulls in ratings she gets a lot of interest and you can't you can't go away from your hot heel and they did it in such a way that ruby can get a rematch yeah yeah they did and uh i mean i think that they will go that way down the road i don't know if it's going to be like immediate it might be um, I think I still feel we talked about this. I still feel like the person who should probably dethrone Britt Baker is going to be Thunder Rosa, yeah. but I don't, I don't know if when that's going to happen. Cause I think Britt Baker is still like a hot act and you don't want to do a feud again with Britt, uh, and Thunder Rosa just yet. Yeah. I, they, but they, um, on elevation this week, they still had Arthur Ashe stuff and Thunder Rosa got a massive pop. I mean, she's she's a good worker, and she also has a ton of charisma and has a really like unique look and gimmick. 
and she's a star like she's a star like few people in wrestling are yeah she's a star she's got a, a ready-made ticket against Britt baker at any point because all she's got to do when Britt starts talking about it, it's like i'm the best nobody can beat well, me. And, yeah uh, all, beat all she's got to do is like oh hey remember that lights out match that you lost to me oh, mm-hmm. that and, lights out match is so fucking good it's good and so she's she's got a ready-made ticket whenever they want to put her back in into that slot that's not a problem that'll happen you know th- when they're ready to pull the trigger on it they can just do that i mean uh, i i think i said this uh, it was probably over on tim's stream um but for me, Thunder Rose is my favorite woman on the roster, and it because and this is not it's not about it's not that Rose is unattractive or anything, but the reason I like her it doesn't have anything to do with that. Thunder Rosa looks like a vicious ass kicking wrestler, and she wrestles like a vicious ass kicking wrestler, and I am enjoying that like. AEW's got a, done a great job having a women's roster of, like, as compared to Vince, a roster of women who don't look alike and do different stuff. Like, the the people who most would look like they'd fit WWE's, like, Penelope Ford and The Bunny and Anna Jay. Maybe. Anna Jay's boobs aren't big enough for Vince. <laughs> No, but you, you, you get what so, I'm saying. She, I would, you would think that they would hire her though, just because she's so damn attractive that it's like, you, how could you not make money off Hannah she, Jay? She's got that jungle love. She ain't going anywhere. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but you know, they've got this this array of different looking people, and so many of them look like they will just kick the shit out of somebody. I think. As, um, I'm thinking, I think Thunder Rosa's had my favorite two women's matches of the last two years, which is that Allison K one and the NWA and the, mm-hmm. the Lights Out mm-hmm. match with Britt. I remember that, that NWA match. She just, she looks like she wants to murder somebody. Like, you remember the lead up they had before the Battle Royal? Like, it was the Rampage going into the, the last pay per view and it's before the Battle Royal and she's back there to cut a promo and. Like Nyla Rose and Jade Cargill come in and she's like, you're here to intimidate me. And they're they're like, yeah. And she goes, fine, let's get to it. And she just throws down on them immediately. The like, one thing that's the one, why I'm Thunder Rosa. The one thing that makes me sad about her act, though, is I really loved it in the NWA when she did all of her promos in Spanish and she never spoke English. I really loved that version of her. And I wish she would go back to speaking Spanish because it was cooler. Hmm. Or, or mixing it a little bit. Because there was, there was one with Dave Marquez. I think it's one of her first promos. And she calls him fat in Spanish. And he just pouts the rest of the promo. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the nice thing about understanding a little bit of Spanish. You can pick up on some of it. And I'm like, oh, she just called him a fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, this... This was just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. So we hit the, we hit Rampage now. I thought Rampage is a little lesser than Dynamite, but I still enjoyed it. Um, so Punk and Powerhouse started us off, right? Yep. That mm-hmm. was the first match. So um, Powerhouse is quite 
become quite a good worker because I thought Punk looked excellent here versus his first match. Like he he had a much better stride, and I thought this was a pretty good match. Other than that, Rana that looked bad. There's something I wish the announced team would quit doing with Punk. Mm-hmm. Is they're like, oh, he's such a good striker. He's got to. And it's like, yeah. guys, let that sail, please. We saw the UFC fights. Yeah, we, we, we know this, yes, this is not. No. And and the the hardest part of this was during this match, Punk's kicks looked like they were from those UFC fights. It's like, yeah. no, 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 no. Stop doing those. I, th- I did think it was a market improvement over the Darby Allen match, though. It seemed it like was he- better. But I. It, it, it uh, I'm just not as drawn in, and it's the same thing as it was beforehand. I'm just I'm not a punk guy, so he doesn't draw he's, me in. He's he's an awkward worker, but I thought I thought he looked a lot better, and I thought this was I thought this was a pretty good match. I'm I'm actually pleasantly surprised how this one turned out. I did think that this was a pretty good match. At first, like it's like they were tentative, um, and there are things about Hobbs that I do I do think he's improved a lot, but I there are things that I didn't initially like with his offense here where it's like he would do things like he'd make a move and then he wouldn't stay on offense. Like mm. he'd, he'd be like, almost like he was be distracted. He could pose or do something where it's like, yeah, he stay on offense. Like he would be, it would look more believable. It'd be make more sense. But, um, it started out kind of slow, but then it picked up towards the end. I, I like, I like some of the fighting for like the, the GTS that that's sorry to cut you off, oh. Brad, the, the GTS spot that got blocked. And then it, Hobbs turn into a spine buster. I was like, whoa, that was awesome. Yeah, that was a good spot. What, what I like about Hobbs, though, is I love that he's willing to stick to the gimmick and his hairstyle's obnoxious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you just want to roll your eyes at, like, that straight-up, like, hairdo he has, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing with your life, dude? Yeah. Um, I did think it overall made Hobbs look good. It made him look like a threat. Um, I actually had a thought watching this. I'm like, I, I, I know that uh, Hager kind of used this later on in the match, but it's like you should kind of, you should maybe kind of let Hobbs kind of start stealing some, some of Vader's offense. Oh yeah. Like have him have Hobbs do like a Vader bomb. Have him do that Vader like run into the dude and body block him. You know what spot he, like you know what he's he big do? enough. He looks so he looks impressive. Oh, what I would have him do because it would be a good mm-hmm. heel move is do that Norman Smiley uh, <laughs> swinging body slam. Oh, yeah. Mm. You know, where he kind of dips him and then he pulls him up and does, like, the slam. Like, that'd be a really good strongman spot. Yeah. Uh, We are not... We're not pointing out the best part of this match. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. I'm listening. Send Hook! (laughs) (laughs) The best part of this is Hook. (laughs) I love that that has... If you're not on, like, wrestling Twitter... That's become a fucking meme. Send, yeah. send Hook. Yeah. And Hook is gonna probably have his first match probably against Daniel, uh, not Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, and ever the the, the internet's gonna like, like melt down. Yeah. 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 This, it's gonna be fun. This was a, this was I thought pretty good for a guy that's wrestling his second match in seven and a half years though. Yeah. So is 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 the is the, is the I would say the match of this show up next uh the next match was uh yes this was the best yeah, match. the super opinion. click adam cole and the young bucks with gallows and cutler versus christian cage and jurassic express so um with marco stunt 
This features my favorite spot that Adam Cole and the Bucks do, which this is Adam <laughs> Cole putting someone in a camel clutch and the Bucks obnoxiously run the ropes like they're going to drop kick them in the face and instead they stop and like double kiss him on the cheeks. And um, yeah. it makes me laugh every time. And Taz is on commentary. He's like, well, you know, they're all about love. <laughs> Which made me laugh. But um, so I've, I, I've said this way back in the past, but Adam Cole has so much more personality when he's working with the Bucks. <laughs> like he really is like just a total douchebag mm-hmm. when he's doing that. And I love yeah. him when he's with the Bucks. He's having a good time. And um and and to call back to an old running gag, you know, and you gotta really appreciate the Bucks carrying his fat ass to stuff like this. Hmm. So, all right, that joke doesn't land as well as it might. Um, <laughs> and he's pretty good for a dead guy. I mean, we have to remember he is dead. <laughs> there it is. That's the joke. This was fun to watch, and um, even uh, the super click wins, and yes. and I guess they kind of need to with to establish the Cole and the Buck synergy, but I, yeah. I, I didn't hate how it happened because, you know, they pitched, uh, they pitched Christian off the ramp and they pitched jungle boy off the ramp. And then Luchasaurus like very credibly fights all three of them for a while. Yeah. Before the numbers get ahead of him. This, I love this tag. I loved it. And I think much like the, um, much like the, the sting Darby FDR match, like it were that, uh, could say like that did what it needed to do perfectly like i felt this kind of did that same thing like you did have to get the super click over so you had to have them you had to have them get the win but i felt this accomplished everything it needed to do with the the faces where obviously they're trying to give jungle boy the rub and i feel like it they they did they advanced that with this match because they were having him do a ton of offense he looked good he looked credible Mm -hmm. you had luchasaurus Who's kind of like the second fiddle to to? Well, he's to the low man play. on the totem pole, and he. he and he this is. is also this is also where the AEW mm-hmm. attention to detail I like is in this match. Ten times out of ten, Luchasaurus should take the the fall, and he did. Mm-hmm. Which other yeah. companies do not pay attention to this? Oh no! Like, and Vince would be like, "Why? Why would he eat the pin? He's a big guy. Jungle Boy's small, so it's yeah. like." But Luchasaurus. He, he, you're right. He is like low man in the totem pole, so he did have to take that. But they did, they didn't just, they had him look credible. Like he fought off dudes and just eventually the numbers got him over, got over on him. But they made him look good too. The one spot that he did, I was like, oh my god, that is awesome. Why, why can't they use that more often? It's when he grabbed, I forget which buck, but he grabbed one of the bucks by the throat to do a choke slam. And then, like, with his other hand, like, reversed where he grabbed oh, the other buck. Yeah. Not, like, by a throat, like, he's going to double champ, double choke slam people. But he grabbed him, like, with the reverse his hand, grip. Yeah, upside down, like, reverse grip. And he picked up the one buck in a choke slam and then, like, simultaneously threw the other buck down and then choke slammed him onto his brother. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, what a move. It made him look like such a monster and a badass and like superhumanly strong. We, it yeah. was a fantastic spot. Can we talk about what great heels the bucks are? Uh, oh, they're, they're better heels than faces. No oh, offense. Yeah. And they're great as faces because they, their selling is really good. They really know how to, um, they really know how to stooge for people properly. 
Oh yeah, there's they're they are still relatively young, and so they can have so many more years in the business. But when it's all said and done, like we are, we can sit down and have a conversation as to where what place they should take in terms of best tag teams of all time, because they're right now you could easily put them in the top 10, if not higher. Like they're fantastic. They, and they are one of the things that I really enjoy is that they, that not only do they not have a problem with it, they very regularly show their ass in the course of well, like every match. Have you, they look vulnerable. Have you read that? Like Tony Khan has to tell them and Kenny Omega, they can't job. No. Like, he keeps turning them... Like, I think the Bucks more now, but, like, he turns them down because they want to do more jobs than they do. The time is coming for that. Like, they can't right now because they're in the hot angle, but the time is coming when they'll be putting people over. Um, that's That has... I I haven't heard that, but I kind of believe it. I remember back when, when AEW first started and you were having some of the more um, name guys do do matches on dark to kind of establish that show. Mm-hmm. There was a match like from the first, the first like three or four darks where you had Kenny Omega facing, I think it was Alan angels before he joined our dark order. And it's like, he was, that was basically, it should have been like a, a squash match. And he was giving that dude like so much offense. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you maybe you're not right this moment. You're not like the top face. That was at that time, probably like Moxley, but it's like, you should probably dial it back. Like you should not be giving this guy who's a scrub this much offense. Yeah. But it, they do it because it's like, I want, they want to have good match and they want to get guys over. So it's, it's somewhat selfless, but and I, I think to... they're also aware that they, they're further on in their career. And if yeah. they're going to be in an executive role, they know they've got to build people. But even mm-hmm. like, um, just to go way back to one of their viral clips, like where they super kicked the eight year old, yeah. Like, they mm-hmm. even stooged for the eight-year-old really well. Yeah. They mm-hmm. sold for the eight-year-old before they super kicked him. Yeah, I still, I laugh every time at that. And mm-hmm. I've seen it, like, a hundred times. Because that kid knew how to sell it, too. That was the best yeah. part. That kid went down like he got shot. Yeah. Wow. Can I, can we also have a conversation briefly here? Would Would anyone in this podcast disagree with the fact that Cage is so much fucking better than Edge at this point. Oh, like no I, question. I, I no. don't think it's even a question. Like he, Edge can't even, Edge can't even wrestle two consecutive matches without an injury, and and Christian's going out there oh, putting oh, on some I, of the best performances of I, his career. I don't, I'm, I'm, don't misjudge me, like or confuse what I'm saying. I'm not saying that Cage is better than Edge currently, which he clearly is. I'm saying All if time? you stack, if you stack their careers. Well, let's see. I so, don't even. I, I don't um, even uh, – I'm going to say, like, I don't even feel like it, at this point it's a conversation. Like, I, I think Cage is better than Edge. Like, I, all – everything, pound for pound. I will, go, I will go through just singles matches. This year alone, I don't think Edge has ever had anything as good as Christian versus Kazarian or the two Omega matches. And that's not even getting into his TNA run where he had, like, the Jarrett match that was pretty good and that I, one AJ Styles match that's just really good. Like, maybe – Maybe we should do at the end of the year. We we didn't do it like last year, so we should maybe do. We should bring back like the best of the year awards. Yeah, because he would and probably make my comeback wrestler of the year. He would probably make my comeback, yeah. and it's yeah. it's he. I think right now, like I can't think of another person who would win that. 
he's because just... he he's been phenomenal. Like on when they when there was that big announcement, like oh we signed Christian. Like I didn't hate it. Some people were like disappointed because they I guess they had. I was indifferent. I was a little bit indifferent too. They had I guess people didn't like it at the time. There at least was a vocal number of people who didn't like it because I think that they were anticipating that it was going to be punk. And it's like dudes, they would have made a much bigger fanfare about it uh, if it had been punk at that time. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of like you, Brad. I was indifferent, but I am happy to say, like, I have was wildly wrong to be indifferent. Like, he has been phenomenal, and he apparently, again, behind the scenes, has been teaching guys, especially like Jungle Boy, everything he knows about the business, especially things about like how to lay out matches and stuff like that. Which is like yeah. Jungle Boy is already good. Like, you're gonna make him like phenomenal, and. Christian is doing fantastic work, but if you look at everything from the WWE work to him in TNA and then back the WWE and then now in AEW, like I would, I would make the argument that he overall is better than Edge. I would say even in the ENC tag teams, he did a lot of the heavy lifting that he didn't get credit for. Um, yeah, if, more... if you want to make it a real easy, real easy comparison, go find me whatever Edge's best match since returning is Thank um, you, the rumble was probably his best work was since it, he came back with well singles match i mean Ooh, let's probably probably the mania main event was that the brawl with orton no the orton stuff sucked i'm talking yeah, about that was a, that was anemic i'm talking about the roman reigns versus edgerus daniel oh. bryan match is probably okay. the best thing he touched but i mean Compare that. Well, I mean, let's let's compare apples to apples. Best singles match he's had against best singles match Christian's had, and then and then just run it down the line. Next best versus next best. They they don't compare. And do you want to say that's because of who he's working with? You might hold yeah, but... a little water, a little water that way, but it's not enough to to swing. Where I think that doesn't hold water though is. Christian, his age, and he's obviously slowed down a bit and he's altered his offense a bit, but he kept up with Kenny Omega just fine in two matches, and I don't Mm -hmm. think Edge at any point in his career could have kept up with Kenny Omega. Like, I like Edge. He seems like a cool guy. I've kind of dig, you know, I've I've always kind of dug his look that sort of thing. But his, his but he's never like his offense has never been credible. He um, has been a very WWF guy ever since I I first saw him. And whereas Christian is uh, wider than that. Like he he is he is more than that in in a very good way. And like I said, Christian kept up with Kenny Omega and contributed. I don't think Edge at any point in his career could have done that. Like, being able to keep up with Kenny Omega in a long match speaks volumes about your ability as a worker. Yeah. So, I I, I don't even do anything as... Well, I didn't do anything as complicated as what what Christian did, and I I couldn't have kept up. (laughs) It just wouldn't have happened. Uh, Next match on the card... Men of the Year, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page with Dan Lambert of American Top Team versus Inner Circle of Chris Jericho and Jake Hager. This played out about how I expected it to. I, 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 um, I'm intrigued by Paige Van Zandt and if they can actually sign her and train her up to be a 
worker because I think she would be good at it. She needs she training and polish, but yeah, I could see it. And she um, because if 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 those weren't worked punches, uh, mm. if they, if they were worked punches, she's got a good start. But I kind of wonder yeah. if Jericho told her just uh, just punch him, <laughs> just lay it in. Yeah. yeah, lay it in. It's gonna look better if you just lay it in. Yeah, that that was something I was told in one of my first nights in the business. He goes, "Listen, man, if you're afraid about pulling it, just knock my head off." Who was yeah. that? Who was that that told someone like, "Just punch me for real, for real, because your working punches are killing me"? Wasn't that, uh, wasn't that Terry Funk who said that? Yeah, I think it was, but I don't remember mm, who he said no, it. No, no, I think it was somebody said, else. Didn't he say that to Foley? He he said to Foley. I think one thing he said to Foley. So it was Tommy Dreamer that said it. Foley was trying to bust him open, and Dreamer said, "Please stop hitting me." But, <laughs> no, no, um, no, the 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 Foley, the Foley and Terry Funk. <laughs> The Foley and Terry Funk thing was um, Foley was like, wow, you're really punching me out there. Like, I wasn't yeah. expecting that. And Funk was like, oh, shit. Like, you actually thought I was good? Yeah. Terry <laughs> oh, Funk's shit. left hand. Oh, shit, Mick. You actually thought I was good. Um, I'm going to look the, the I'm going to look the line up real quick. But yeah, Funk's left hand and, and Cactus is like, um, he said, uh, he's like, oh, he's always had the best working punches and he, or the best left hand. He was so excited. And Terry pulls back and hits him with that left hand. And then he just he just hauled off and punched him in the face. And he goes, you just hit me as hard as you could, Terry. What was that? My my favorite. <laughs> did either of you ever go to his um his one man show when he was doing them? No. Which is really no, good. Nothing, no, nothing new if you've um, read his books. But I went when he came to Columbus. It, it was a lot of fun. But he talks about the hell in the cell. It just involves Terry Funk. Is why I'm telling it. Yeah. But um, when he's like concussed on the ground, Funk and Undertaker are trying to kill some time to keep the crowd invested. And part of that, if you go back and watch, Undertaker like choke slams Terry Funk out of his shoes. And Foley yeah. says he comes to it. All he sees is just this shoe laying on the mat. And he said he was so confused by that. Yeah. Cause Terry's shoes weren't tied. He had just slipped them on and run out there. All right. So I have found, uh, the only source I could find was supposedly Ricky Morton said that to Bill Dundee. He said, just hit me. And, and, uh, Dundee said, why? And Morton says, cause your working punches are killing me. For some reason, that doesn't sound right, though. Sound that like, sounds like something Morton would say. It sounds like something Morton would say, but it sounds like that it would be between somebody else. Oh, God. No, I think... No, I also think, no, that's... That's, yeah, yeah, that's what keeps coming up, is yeah. that Dundee. I think... Um, I think if they could get him to want to do it and train, I think Masvidal would be a really big um, get for them. See, this is the thing. Like, you basically, you had the match. I thought the match was like fine. It was, it was, de- it was pretty decent. I thought it was, it, it was fine. Yeah. Um, but the ending, it's like you actually had all these like MMA guys come out there as yeah. part of America's Top Team, and they just start beating the hell out of out of Jericho and Hager. And it's like, it, I don't. If if there wasn't so much other like really cool shit going on, like you should, everyone should be like, whoa. Like, 
a bunch of MMA stars came out there and started attacking wrestlers. Yeah. And that could be like your main storyline going on. Like this this America Top Team. Like you could be building towards a match. And maybe they are, but it's like it, it was very much like, oh yeah, it's like a mid card thing that happened. It's like, dude, you had like Paige Van Sant and Jorge Masvidal come out there and like attack Jericho and Hager. It's like that's actually like a big deal or should be. And it yeah. must be said, Paige Van Zant's into bare knuckle fighting. Hmm. Now, there is one thing I didn't like about this, and I'm just going to use it to segue us into the next match. No one came out to help them. And then the next match, the first thing you have coming out is um, is Ortiz and Santana, who are their friends. Yeah. And I kind of thought that was a little bad timing on their part because it was like oh no one's coming in to save them it's like but why are they coming out next i thought that was a bit of a that's a misstep yeah yeah um the thing i think will happen eventually with this american top team stuff is inner circle is going to keep going at dan lambert and men of the year right and then you keep getting this screwy stuff with all the american top team people until it just turns into this coalition of the aew locker room comes out there like either with overwhelming numbers or armed to the teeth and just beats the living hell out of the American top team yeah. guys to run them off. I do enjoy the Dan Lambert stuff though. Yeah. That dude can work a stick. And oh no, he's, people he's haven't quick. seen that. Oh, he's yeah. just he's, a fucking ass. It's great. Well, he's quick too. Cause the, the last week, whenever Jericho comes out and now the, the crowd sings Jericho's theme, sings him to the ring with it, which that's, Honestly, that that they spurred it, but it was kind of organic because I don't think they expected the the whole crowd to sing that sing him to the ring whenever they were banning Judas for the MJF said that. Yeah. You know, now that the whole crowd does. Lambert immediately takes the mic. He goes, quit looking at your phones. Everybody here is looking it up on their phones. You don't really know the words. It's like. Which is is great heel work because one it's well, patently false they've been it, doing it and two that's so damn quick to come up with. Well, and there is something else he did really good. What was it that Jericho called him? Um, he said, "Oh yeah, they they sing along to that because no one's written a song called I'm a Lumpy Jowl Dipshit or something." Yeah, like that. and his his moral <laughs> indignation of being called that was also excellent. <laughs> did you see he rubbed his chin whenever Jericho said that too? Yeah, like, I'm not Lumpy Jowl. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he's he is he is a gem. I and I don't yeah. know. I know he was working with MLW, but like that that was a great signing because because wrestling really needs those guys like him that are just willing to be a prick. Yeah. And not be cool. That's yes, and I know I said I've said this in the past, but the cool heel is a huge problem because the thing no with Dan, one's willing to just be a heel. Yeah. And with Dan Lambert, he's like, I don't care if I sell any t-shirts. Like I'm just going to go out there and be an asshole. He's not trying to sell t-shirts. Yeah, I know. He's, he's already got a business. He, he doesn't... He, he's a, he is, he is a delight. And I thought, I thought Ethan page in the match is really good. Actually, Scorpio was pretty good too, but Ethan page is a really quality mm-hmm. worker. So, um, so then yeah. we had the eight man up next. Yes, this was Santana and Ortiz with the Lucha Brothers versus the Hardy Family Office, Private Party, and Butcher and Blade. Um, with I Matt Hardy and Jack Evans. I don't remember much about this. I do know um I do know 
Jack Evans and Orange Cassidy got some beef going on on the side because they did. And then Orange, uh, and the, the camera work again was like so good. Yeah. Uh, Orange, the Orange spot was like Orange, like you see like uh, Jack Evans like pop up into the ramp, and then Orange like came at it, and then they shot it where it's like Orange did a running, uh, you know, Superman punch, and just knocked jack evans out but the way they shot it like they caught orange perfectly where he's jumping in the air and throwing the punch Mm -hmm. and clocking him out it's like that the camera work there was phenomenal like that looks so good and i love that his hand just go right back into his pockets and he wanders away after (laughs) doing the damage he's he is so good with this gimmick Mm -hmm. you know it's and some people still get pissy about it, and I don't know why. It's over. If if it was a bad gimmick, it wouldn't be over. But and it is over. I have to and, comment on something, though, with him. And it's it's something around his gimmick, but when Chris Statlander comes out in her not-wrestling gear, someone needs to buy her better clothes because she looks like a hobo when she comes out <laughs> for manager stuff. Well, that's that's the, the clothes she picked up when she landed on the planet, right? <laughs> I just – she just, like, on some of those darks and elevated, if she comes out to manage them for something, it's just like, oh, could you just could you just invest in, like, something that costs $20, please? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But I don't remember – that's all I remember about this match, sadly. I don't remember much about this. I watched there, this live. There was a lot of really cool stuff going on. Um I mean, it's the Lucha Brothers. Of course, they're doing cool stuff. Like, it's a good match. Uh, look, after everything that we've talked about so far, the fact that this one doesn't stand out is really, it's telling. Because if it if it was bad, it would stand out more. So it's it's good. It just doesn't happen to, you know, like Butcher and Blade did a great job, kind of similar to what FTR were doing as, you know, the you know, big, big, burly, just kind of kick the hell out of you guys. Well, you know, the Lucha Brothers are flying around and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's it's good. I mean, it's an eight man tag match that goes nine twenty. There's not a whole lot. Yeah. They, they do a whole lot of stuff, but it's hard to stand out super big that way. Yeah. So what's what's next on the. Uh... The next match on the card is Penelope Ford versus Anna Jay. So what I really liked about this, and this is, again, I, I hate to co- constantly compare WWE to AEW, but I like how the the Hardy office kind of, like, blocks it off when they're beating up Anna Jay and Ty Conti at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, Orange Cassidy comes out and Hardy, Hardy and they were like, well, what are you going to do? Like, you can't, you can't, like, take us all on. And, like, the entire Dark Order comes out. Yeah. And that's that's even with the Dark Order rift going on. Yeah. And but when, when it mattered, they all stepped up. Yeah. And then they try to, and I also, like, where, who I really think is great in this um, Dark Order stuff is Colt. Yeah. Because, like, so they, they do all this stuff, they stand tall, and then um, Angels tries to make up with Uno, and Uno bails, and Stu Grayson goes with him, and you can tell Stu's a little unsure, but then, like, Colt's kind of, like, half out of the ring, and he's, like, looking back at, like, everyone else, and he's looking up the ramp to Uno and, and Grayson, and you can just tell, like, he doesn't know which way to go with it. Yeah. 
his his um his nonverbals and his expressions just make because he he's torn. He's very clearly torn. He's like, I don't know what to do right now. Yeah, you can tell it's he's just uncomfortable. Now for the match, Penelope Ford Anna J. This is a honestly, it's 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 good. It's exactly what you expect out of this. The way this feud's going though, well, you know. What I think is remarkable is, um, I found we found out after the show that this is only Anna J's twenty fourth professional wrestling match. <laughs> staggering. It's really staggering that that it's just her twenty fourth match. Well, I think I think where she's gonna have a problem though is I think she's had two shoulder injuries in the course of like needing surgery, yeah, shoulder injuries over like a four ish year career. Yeah, and um, that's that's my concern with her is I don't know if her body's gonna hold up. That's fair. Um. But I don't know the circumstances around her, around her injuries either. So, you know, I, did, we'll, I mean, we'll it's, see what it's, happens. She's 24, I think. Maybe 23. She is 23. Okay. Uh, that just concerns me because usually, usually someone of her age should not be having those kind of injuries. Unless she has, um, the, I mean, she could obviously have structural issues that make her more prone to that which is my concern that i mean it could have just been some some freak accidents too that that caused it i'm not really sure um but uh you know we'll we'll see i mean she she got so much promise going and i like um i also like penelope penelope ford and the bunny is like a tag team oh yeah it they have how can I best put it? They have a out of everybody on the um, on the roster. It feels to me like they have the most WWE vibe. But then on the other hand, it's not like that's not a bad thing. It's just it's in terms of visual aesthetics. I like the bunny gimmick, though. I like her when she comes out. She does that. She lunges at the camera and bites at it. Like, I always find that amusing. She it it she's one of the have you ever watched her Twitch stream? No. So she is just this this funny, bubbly, delightful person on her Twitch stream. Cause at one point the the only reason I saw this is uh, I stumbled across a link somewhere where she called Eddie Kingston during her stream. Like she if she said if we do whatever thing it is you know the way streamers do if we do whatever this is then I'm gonna call one of my coworkers and see what they say about it. And so she called Eddie Kingston about it and she calls him and she's like, Hey Eddie, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm trying to have lunch. What the hell do you want? And, but she's just so happy about it. He can't stay mad at her. And you know, she's so happy and bubbly and, and they end up having a good time. She's like, well, Eddie, is there anything you want to say? And it's a, he ends up cutting a promo about Oreos or something. Um, is but, is the lights out match after this? Yes, it is. Okay, so we we can just we can just segue. But Eddie Kingston is a nas- national treasure. I went from the first uh, the first time that I had seen 
Eddie Kingston that I could remember was in that on in NWA and he mm-hmm. impressed me there. But then now well you kind of your journey kind of started on this show when we did the Mike Quackenbush Eddie yeah. Kingston match. And, well that that's where we got deeper into it. But now I'm like all about I'm all in on Eddie Kingston. I'm like I'm, like, I'm ordering Eddie Kingston shirt. It, it's I'm um, I don't order I don't hardly ever order like a wrestling shirt of one person. I'm ordering I'm probably going to order the the Mad King shirt off um pro wrestling tees cuz I god Kingston there is nothing Eddie Kingston I I've seen him do that I have just not been on board with. And this match also had crazy old man Minoru Suzuki like at his like height because they they start with a <laughs> chop battle. And he would just chop Suzuki, and he would just like stick his tongue out at him. I need to uh, I need to interject for a moment here. Uh, the official title for Suzuki is Murder Grandpa. Okay, <laughs> but but this is the genius of Eddie Kingston. So they're doing the chop battle, and Kingston like so Kingston does his, and Suzuki like does that, and King you know he does his, and then Kingston goes to to do his, and instead of doing that, he leg sweeps him and takes him down. Yeah. And like tricks of that was really good. And then I love Lance Archer just attacking like their the ring boys they brought in specially for that. So <laughs> the my favorite thing that um, they did with uh, when when um, in that is Kingston takes Suzuki down and then Archer comes in and Kingston turns around and starts shopping and Archer's just like just no cells. He's like, yeah, whatever. So Kingston gives his half shrug and just sticks his thumb in his eye and then whips him in the corner and starts chopping on him. And I'm just like, that is perfect. I love it so much. You know, Moxley did stuff in this match, but what I loved about this is Kingston was like full on, just like insane in this match. Like, it's like he let the beast out. They were home for him, so he's going to he's going to cut loose and let it go. And then my favorite part of this, though, and and Matt had the same reaction I did. But Homicide shows up. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really nice. Um, it's a nice moment uh, because for people who don't know the backstory there, uh, Eddie Kingston has he's had his demons. He's had um, low points in his life. Yeah. Uh, um, addiction, things like that. Well, and he. Cr- so mm-hmm. probably about five or six years ago, and this is this is just to tell you like where he's been at in his life. Someone asked why Eddie Kingston wasn't bi- wasn't bigger, and my response was because he's a drunken fuck up. Mm-hmm. Is um so that should surmise like where he was at at one point in his career because there was a point about five years ago like NWA was really his comeback, but like he was working fewer and fewer promotions because he was kind of bridge burning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He wasn't reliable because of his addiction issues and his demons. Uh, And at one point, uh, he in his life was like suicidal and he credits homicide in real life for for saving his life, for kind of bringing him back, getting him on the street and narrow. And look at the dude's career now. Like he's he's doing a phenomenal job. He is Mm. you can make the he's he's not like 
not the number one face, not even the number two face, I would even say, but you, he's definitely like a top face in AEW and like beloved. Like you could literally probably turn the dude heel tomorrow and people would still be like cheering him and be, be like, I know I would. He's, he's a dude you could probably job every night and he could talk himself into still being over. Yeah. Yeah, He's really, uh, and that's almost like, a generational level talent where it's like you mm-hmm. don't have there are not many guys out there that basically practically anything that he does and anything you can do to him like he could overcome it just because he is so charismatic and he's so good in the mic uh i mean i like his ring work too I, I think his ring work is much better than maybe he gets credit for like but he because i think the mirror match shows like that dude can go out there and he can go Yep. When when you know he wants to or he has the right opponent or et cetera, but he's he's a dude that's like he's super talented. Should have done more with his career than you know he he has at this point, but because of his past demons, he hasn't. But now he's getting the opportunity to show everybody what he can do, and he's a dude that's like it. I think especially in the, the environment of AEW, like they can get a lot out of him. Like he's, he they can he can go for like years with the way he it good and he's also excellent on um the elevation commentary team because he'll Mm -hmm. just whip out he whips out like just create well he's funny for starters and like big show seems to love him and like (laughs) but like he's just obnoxious which is great but then he'll like whip out like he was talking about like magnum t and mr wrestling too one week and then he was correcting tony one week he's like no tony it's a souffle (laughs) The thing that's really cemented Eddie Kingston for me, cause I couldn't bring myself to watch it before just because of everything that there at the time that was going on. But on the being the elite, the, he gathered everybody up backstage after the Brody Lee um, memorial, and he basically does a promo for everybody there. And I was just like, okay, you know what? I'm sold. I'm I'm all in for Kingston now. And that that was even before like the build up for the Miro match that they did in like two weeks. Like Eddie Kingston for me is, you know, he's. I would love. Uh, this won't happen, but to see Eddie Kingston have a promo duel against like The Rock in his prime would just be like mind blowing. And Eddie Kingston looks like – I love Eddie Kingston's look as a wrestler because he looks like a guy who can fight. But the primary thing for him is I'm not getting in the gym to look good. He's like, I'm I'm largely fit, but I can fight. Like that's that's what I get out of seeing how Kingston works. And it just – it everything he's got in that, that package – appeals to me so he i'd have to sit down and think about it but he might end up being my favorite thing on aew tv i i like the end of this though because um so the ending is he puts a trash can over lance archer's head he pretty much just goes to town on the trash can with a kendo stick and the whole time he's doing this like taz is just cackling he's like this guy's nuts i love him yeah he they they put the uh the trash can over archer's head and then Kingston just dents the hell out of it. Just all, you know, just breaks the kendo stick over it, going to town on it. And um, 
one the thing that I liked about Homicide's uh, run in was Archer and Suzuki were being so dominant that Kingston and Mox didn't exactly have an opportunity to get back in. But it's a lights out match. So, you know, uh, hey, you know, you didn't bring enough guys, I guess. Um, it, it made sense. That's what got them back into it. And they just flipping went to town. I, I also like, though, um, that the whole crowd did Suzuki's um, song for him at the right time. Yeah. But he was also looking at people, and I'm pretty sure everyone did it because he would eat their face if <laughs> he caught He's them looking not doing like, it. You better do it. Yeah. You better do it. Is Kings what's is Kingston using the Urican as his finish now, or is he using something else? And he used the the um backfist to the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're calling it the Urican on AEW TV, so I wasn't sure if he was using that as his finish or a signature spot. No, that's his finish. Okay. He does the sliding D sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Which I still think if you were an active wrestler, Shad, you should have done that one. Oh, I, I would have. You have given me two, like, incredible suggestions that I wish I could go back in time and tell myself to use. What, the famous or in the sliding D? Yeah. At my size, the people I was working with, the famous or would have looked like I was killing somebody. Just, just, drape, you know, bend them over, drape that leg, and just down we go. It would have looked like I was just murdering someone, but. So, so I guess we were all for me. I thought Dynamite was excellent. <laughs> I thought, um, I thought Rampage was mostly good, but not as good as Dynamite. That that's a pretty high bar to clear. Well, um, given, uh... I enjoyed Rampage, but I'll admit, like they put out a lot of content that week. Um, yeah. Elevation was about an hour and twenty, I think. Um, Dark was two hours, Dynamite was two hours, and Rampage was two hours. I was a little burnt by the end of Rampage, to be honest. Um, I didn't get around to watching Darker Elevation this week, so I had a little more in the tank when I finally got to the the Lights Out match. But, yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot to get through in, you know, uh, two two-hour shows um, can, uh, you know, that, that can... It, they're so good, you're going to run out of gas sooner or later. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. But the thing I like about Dark, I mean, I mean, sorry about Rampage, when it's an hour, I like that they put the main event on first. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like you need to kind of do that because if you're you're doing a show that starts at like, what, 10 p.m.? Like yeah. You, this is like the same concept that back in the in the day, like WWE did uh, with those like late, late at night, uh, Saturday night main event. Like you got to have your your marquee match on like first because people people aren't necessarily going to stay to the end yeah they're, they're going to mm-hmm. perhaps tune out so yeah get your like your main ev- effectively like your main match on rampage first and then the rest of the show can can flow from there and they still they've, they've had like they still have excuse me they've had like important matches well they had that six woman with um <clears throat> i think it was ruby soho Riho, and chris statlander versus Britt baker's crew was on yeah there. i actually i saw that that was like it was pretty good i like the that one i liked <laughs> Riho doing the like the foot stomp off of statlander's shoulders uh-huh. and um what was the other one? Oh, they they did max caster versus brian pillman jr on one 
Mm. Which is another team I like. I like the Ascension. <laughs> Even though Max Caster's gotten them in trouble a couple times. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's a good, honestly, it's a straight up good week of AEW to watch. And God, there's just been a lot of really good stuff happening. I, I we keep meaning to go back and finish the other stuff, but this stuff has been too good not to cover. I know we don't we don't get topical all that often, but this has just been. It, it, it's been too big not to. This show was historical for a number of reasons. Namely, even if the show wasn't great, we would have done it because it, it is historically significant that a promotion that's not WWF in the United States drew 20,000 people. Mm-hmm. It really shows like... It really shows like what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And it... It's it's very different and it's very well put together. And that that Omega Danielson match was just great. They said really um, good. Meltzer said that one started at I think one point one five million people watching and bounced to like a little over one point five million by the end. Oh wow! So it gained like almost half a million people. Mm-hmm. But I can see that though. That that is like a word of mouth match, yeah. because calling because I was I was trying to think like the last time I saw a TV match that compares to that, and I had to go really far back. I had to go back to Benoit and Jericho versus Austin and Triple H for the tag titles on Raw, mm-hmm. for something even in that stratosphere. Which that would probably be about as close because I I'd probably give that. Because I've rewatched that, so I'd probably give that about four and three fourths a star. Yeah. So maybe one of those Austin Benoit's was almost five stars too around that time. That one that was what in Edmonton? Yeah, that one. The ten, good. the ten Germans one. Yeah, that was a good one. It was really good. It, it didn't. It was really good, but it didn't have quite the same hype. As the Canadian Chris's versus a two-man power trip. No. And then this one. And and has I really a whole have to. It's like really Omega remarkable. Danielson had a whole different aura to it. And it's they, really remarkable that Triple H managed to work the end like with one leg. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Okay, well everybody, thank you for joining us for this episode. Um. God, it's just been a lot of really good stuff to watch. Uh, Brad, coming up, I think we're we're getting back on the request train, right? Well, so we're going to probably power through about three <laughs> episodes of the GWF over the next three weeks. And yeah. then um, we are doing a Halloween episode. As always, this year we are going to be talking about a personal favorite for Matt and I, at least, but that is The Shining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually uh, – my wife and I – my wife doesn't like horror movies, but we, she will um, she acquiesces to doing basically like a horror movie watch a thon every Halloween where we try to watch a certain number of, of scary movies. Mm-hmm. Um, we, so we actually started it. We actually because um, we're trying to we're trying to each do like I think we're trying to do four so eight movies total. And we're trying to do that by Halloween. So we had to kind of start early. We watched uh, Malignant. Which is on it's oh, on, H- it's on HBO that. it's on HBO Max. 
for those who are not aware of it, it's <laughs> it's it's bizarre. It's yeah. done. It's done by James Wan, who did the Conjuring films. Uh-huh. Um, the best I best way to describe it is that the first kind of like two thirds of the film is kind of it's not as uh, gory per se, but it's like an American giallo type of film, a giallo being like an Italian slasher film. And then the last third of it is just balls to the wall insane. It's insane. Like it's, <laughs> I'm like, I, this, I was not expecting some of the things that you're doing. Um, that was kind of fun. Uh, and then we're, we're actually going to watch the shining. Uh, because that was one of my, we always make choices. Like one of my choices is going to be the shining is we want to do like a, has she seen it before? She's never seen it before. Oh, and I'm like, this is actually like a really good movie. So, uh, I we I actually picked that before we were actually decided uh, to do The Shining for the show. But, but. Yeah, and I kind of want when we do that, I want to talk a bit about the book because they're very different, but good in very different ways. Yes. Shad, have you seen The Shining? Uh, let me put it this way. I have probably seen most of it in bits and pieces, but it's a... Um, it, like not all pieced together, if that makes sense. You know what I found interesting? So I just read it for the first time. I went on a bit of a Stephen King kick this summer. So Dick mm-hmm. Halloran is actually in a flashback in it. And he, he Oh really? Even, he even shines because he saves them from the situation and you can't explain it in any other way that because he had this he knew like they couldn't go out this way for this fire and he knew the other way. And I'm like uh-huh. he shined because like that's the only thing that explains that so it was an interesting little connection oh wow because then that would have been like the 50s and then he was about um, entering into i say like the latter half of middle age in the shining book Mm -hmm. um but I, i found that interesting and i think um He's one of my favorite actors because, you know, he did jazz and a bunch of voice acting stuff. But, you know, Scatman. Scatman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to, to kind of break away from The Shining, I actually just found out via an email I received today. Like, I, I signed up for the, the stupid Peacock Network to watch, like, WWE content. I'm only paying, like, $5 a month, I think. But uh, I, I found out that the most the upcoming Halloween movie, Halloween Kills, mm-hmm. yeah, is actually going to be on Peacock beginning, I think, like two weeks from now. Mm. And I was like, "Wow! Like, I'm actually going to watch that when it when it when it drops." Well, did you guys I'll be see the, curious to hear what you think. Did you guys see the the Halloween one they did? Probably like wow, 2018 maybe. No, I Yay. haven't needed to get to it. I went through, I went through like the original ones up to mm-hmm. um. What's the fourth one? I did the first like couple. Curse of Michael Myers, maybe. Yeah, I went up. I did like the first four last Halloween. After like the second one, they kind of don't get. They're not really good. But he's not even <laughs> in the third one, really. No. Yeah. Um. But the one that the, the one they did a few. The Rob Zombie one was bad. They're not. They're I, not good. I I have. I have a problem with the Rob Zombie ones just on base concept with what they did. And I can't get over that. I like, I like Rob Zombie. He's I only really, done one good movie. 
I Devil's Rejects. I yeah. really, really like Devil's Rejects. But it's like you you watch the Rob Zombie Halloween ones, and it's like, oh, what a surprise! Like the villain, the villains crazy are, hillbillies. Yeah, crazy hillbillies. Uh, oh, what a surprise! Um, Get a new act, so I, Rob. Yeah, it's the same the same act. My problem with um, with his version of Halloween is you you don't apply motive to Michael Myers. To do that misses the point because mm-hmm. the movie is not really about Michael. It's about whoever is trying to survive Michael. And, and Michael Myers is – there's not a reason why he does what he does. He's just evil, and therefore it's it's not – you know what's he going to do? It's about the people who are trying to survive the film. I think anyway, – because um, mm-hmm. I've revisited Nightmare on Elm Street um, – the Friday the 13th and the Halloween movies the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And they were not my preference when I was younger, but I've come around on the Friday the 13th movies, at least through the first four to be the best because uh, Jason really has like a progression of his character. Like he doesn't even have the hockey mask until the third movie. Yeah. And um, those just are better written, but I think Jason and Freddie having, um, motivations I I think is fine and that really fleshes them out. But Michael Myers is the really he works best in the first movie when he's just this silent antagonist. Yeah, you guys might like the 2018 Halloween movie though because that it basically it retcons uh, the entire the entire series of films except it the original Halloween and then this retcons everything from that because this is supposed to be yeah. A direct sequel slash reboot of the franchise from that movie. So it, it basically it picks up from that movie like thirty years out, forty years after that movie um, comes He's out. He's like conning Jamie Lee Curtis, isn't he? Yes, he is. Um, he, Mike, uh, let me spoil. It's a three-year-old movie. Like I'll spoil this much. Like he, he escapes from prison. Yeah. And he, you know, starts going after Jamie Lee Curtis. But in the forty years since then. Like Jamie Lee Curtis has become like crazy prepared. Like she is basically like she's been waiting for him to ex- escape like for 40 years. She's prepared for him, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of goes from there. But he basically is like stalking her and her family uh, throughout the film. And mm-hmm. the thing I like about this is that it is very much in line with that kind of like the first movie motivations, where it's like you. He doesn't seem to have any like defined motivations other than he is just like a crazy psychopath. And there are points in this movie where he just like brutally murders people for no good reason other than they were there or they were in his way or something. There's one movie that there's a part of the movie where he is like going through like a neighborhood and he like he could have he could have gone like around the house. He just like cuts through the house to like, I guess, save himself a moment. So he like breaks into a back door. You see him break into like a back door. He like goes, takes a knife and just stabs the owner of the house to death brutally and then just goes out the front door and it's like you literally murdered someone in cold blood horrifically just to like cut through a house yeah he didn't, he didn't even need to do that you could just walk through that's it, like, it, he, that's the thing it's not his thought process yeah he doesn't it's not he's i'm going this way i go in here oh i like knives let me get that oh here's a person i have a knife now let me go ahead and do and then he just keeps going keeps going like does it even skip a beat uh, and it, it does work to establish that he is just like a, a primal a force of violence. Yes. 
he is just like a, almost like a force of nature. My um, <clears throat> understanding uh, of – well, I've seen part of it. I haven't gotten to see the whole thing, but I've seen part of it. Mm-hmm. And the – and I know what happens with the rest of it because um, I, I, while I didn't get to see all of it, I was kind of fascinated by it. And so it's a um, – you know, the the ending is, is pretty cool. And the the I think the motivation for going after Jamie Lee Curse is just because he didn't he wasn't done with her like he was trying to take her out she before gave him, she gave him blue murder balls like what yeah. else is he supposed to do he, he's coming to finish the job and it just so happens that there's a town of people between him and her so it like it threw out the the relation aspect and all that kind of stuff well, I mean in the in it's not the... necessary. In the first movie, she's like kind of a unique protagonist in that she actually kind of outsmarts him mm-hmm. versus like just surviving, which yeah. is which is a different twist. Well, it's kind of an, a prototype of the slasher genre. Like it's an early one, so they didn't get so set in their their ways. But like if you look through the Jason or Freddy movies, like they never really get outsmarted. They just have someone that survives. Well, they. Uh, I think the Friday the Thirteenth, the New Blood, had had the telekinetic chick just beat the hell out of him, which cracked me up. We all pretend but that movie that, did. The movies after that, oh, that one didn't happen. That, that movie's hilarious. Um, Jason X. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, it's it's you know there there's not a oh well, I guess they made Freddy's Dead at some point didn't they. Oh, which but, one was that? The Freddy one just got was, absurd after a while. That was number yeah. six. Yeah, after four, those are really bad. I I liked through like three. Yeah. And after that, the th- the problem is that he turns the, into murder quip guy. Yeah, it that it it basically the the mo for the films after number th- three, and you could you could see a little bit of it beginning in three, but it's still like I think they're fine. After that, it's like it wasn't really like horror. It's this is like probably thing that yeah horror this is the thing that happened like a lot with a lot of like slasher films or those type of like character films it's like it became like a horrority where it's like uh let's let's create inventive like like slash funny quote-unquote funny deaths for people and then have the the villain like make a quip like a funny comment after he like brutally murders something let me see. Does the villain perhaps extend an invitation for the person in question to uh, star in a TV show that's, you know, in the seven, eight o'clock block during the week, perhaps? Could be. Like, welcome to prime time. Ugh. <laughs> I think he said. I think. I think Freddie actually did use that. Oh, that yeah. is a one-liner once. Oh yeah. Welcome to primetime, bitch. And, and it's really sad, though, because, like, in the first movie, like, he is a terrifying creature in the first movie with, like, yeah. no no real humor value. Like, I think he throws some one-liners out there, but he's so horrifying, like, they're not funny. Yeah. Like it's, that, it's more taunting than anything. Like, that first movie, like, that first scene with him where he's, like, coming down the alley and he's, like, scratching the, the aluminum siding of like a garage mm-hmm. like it's still scary as hell so anyway that's what we're gonna that's the next month 
worth of shows. Um, thank you all for being with us on this one tonight. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's 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 really gratifying to watch some really good contemporary stuff. Yeah. So, everybody out there, we'd love to hear from you on social media. Um, you agree with us? Disagree with us? You know, like I said, we'd love we'd love to hear from you. And so, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we'll catch you next time.